Headmaster, and if you were at the AMA, then also God Brother. I think we've come up with a new title for me. Uh, your God Brother, Sam. Your God Brother, Sidecar Sam. <laughs> we also built a very bad Denny's in Minecraft, but hey, it did what it needed to do. The fact that it was full of zombies by the end, I'm going to go ahead and say it was explicitly not my fault. Making dinner, Ashmar. What's for dinner? Yeah, it's supposed to be like a Hogwarts painting. I feel like I did a decent job of it. I like my little background here. I've got my my candle up in the... Oh, gesturing the wrong direction. I've got my candle. I've got my my uh, uh, my desk back here. I've got a, a bookshelf. More books. Oh, speaking of bookshelves, I realized something last week that I forgot to mention on stream, but um, it took me this long. Now, many of y'all are familiar with the fantastic... Um, well, first of all, some of y'all might be familiar with the Lo-Fi Girl. Um, it's this piece of artwork. It's uh, almost mimetic at this point. We have got a um, uh, a version of it for ourselves, thanks to Holly Rose. Uh, you can find the accreditation up here in the corner when, once I switch the screen. But I just noticed. Check out the bookshelf right behind me on this screen. It's going to be right right over here. Check this bookshelf out. Do you see what Holly Rose did? She pulled the bookshelf from here in the library and brought it into that piece of artwork. I am going to, I'm just, every time I look at that piece of art, I'm more pleased by it. It just does my heart so good. I love, I love it. Miss Frizz says, meant to highlight my message and not tell you to hydrate. Why do the buttons gotta move? I don't know. It's not on my end. I didn't do it. This isn't my fault. You can't blame me. Joe just ended school. Uh, welcome into the Discord, by the way. It's funny, some people will chat in the Discord and listen elsewhere. Some people will chat in in um, uh, in Twitch and then listen elsewhere. It's a funny little system, but I'm glad it's working reasonably well for everybody. At least I hope that it is. Um, yeah, there's some fantastic art, Lisa. Magical moving buttons, says Memnite. Uh, Joe says, Sam, the Denny's was fabulous, especially with their main course, Tuna Doritos. I want to say, look, I am I am firmly outside of the Tuna Doritos camp. I am willing to get fired from the Denny's for this. Happy late cake day, says Iroh. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I am much more partial to our salmon pumpkin pie. Dementor Slayer says, missed last week. Glad to be back. Good to have you back. Currently recovering from the dreaded COVID. Oh, really? Well, I wish you a speedy recovery. Happy to have your great voices to listen to. Thank you very much. I appreciate that a lot. Now, folks, let's talk about our chapter for today. The boot port key was fun. Good. I'm glad that it was. Um, I'm going to be talking more about that um, probably at the end of the stream today. So if you're curious about what the announcement was during the AMA, well, I'll be talking about it then. And I think I was right as I'm looking at my screen here. So I'm wearing a very dark gray shirt and um, a very pink, like distinct, like bubblegum pink shirt. And I was right. It reads as like green and white on camera. Maybe a little pink, but straight out. This is a, this is a like... You're having a baby girl gender reveal party kind of pink that I'm wearing. Doesn't read on camera. Which must mean that I am paler than I... I look paler than I am as well. Ah, that's alright. I don't mind looking a little pale. So, folks, what did we see last time? 
phrase says, I keep meaning to join Twitch, and then another week goes by, I still haven't signed up. It's nice multitasking. Well, I mean, now could be a good time to do it. You can. Well, I guess you might be on mobile. I was just going to say you could keep you could keep listening on Discord and head over to Twitch. It might work. I, th I know, you know, there are some things on... Um, one of the things I like about streaming into the Discord app, and boy, the moment that... Uh, uh, we can become Discord. I can become a Discord partner. Would be fantastic. I love Discord. Um, hey, we've got a we've got, <laughs> we've got a level one hype train emote. Throw it in there, folks. I can't quite see it. It's too small on my screen, but I want to see what it is. What do we get? What do we get? What have we got going on? Uh, that pumpkin Denny's kept me laughing uh, on my watch through. <laughs> Good. I'm very happy about it. Um, and uh, folks. Looks like we got this. <laughs> Welcome to Hype Chimp. Hype Chimp, good grief. Um, so, I gotta refocus my thoughts here, otherwise I'm gonna lose it. Um, first of all, go ahead and let me know what did we see in our previous chapters. We gotta do our... Alright, Dusk is on it. Dusk is on it. We have got... Um, chapters 10 and 11 creatures tale chapter 10 and chapter 11 the bribe but while you're doing that i um i wanted to mention uh there is there's something i really like about discord which is that a you can choose your notifications and i want to remind y'all if you are not yet in the discord go ahead and join in there um, my bot is going to periodically spit that link in chat um, so you can check it out there but we are right on the cusp of being um, uh, sort of engaged enough. If you if you aren't um, uh, if you're in the Discord but you don't chat very much, uh, maybe chat a bit this week because we're right on the edge. And then I can start to do some customization stuff with it, and uh, you know possibly throw in some extra little bits that might be fun for us. Um, but we're right there on the edge. So join the Discord. It is after all. I've said it before, the absolute best spot to find all things sidecar news related. You can jump into our projects, you can learn more about the different uh, shows that we do here. It's a good spot. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, Joe says, Twitch is pretty easy, but Discord is nice too. Yeah, I definitely like having both. Um, it's really nice to have a platform that we can all come back to, uh, you know, when we're moving around between... YouTube and Mixer and Twitch, it's nice to have Discord as a constant. That's really nice. So, um, let's talk about review. Sparkle Lovegood says, Creature is now seeing goodness in the Golden Trio. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's as a matter of, um, finally, Harry has sort of had this growth moment where he's willing to be good to creature kind of for no reason now there's a bit of a reason to it of course um we learn quite a bit about what happened in creatures past we discover indeed rab and let's see who put it in chat because i saw it dusk hold on i think it was dusk both times <laughs> uh yeah so dusk um dusk is all over it i guess i'll just say that um uh and nytfa hello and welcome uh, not really, Equine. We are just now getting into our... Um... Oh, and Holly Rose is here! Hey! How are ya? How you doing? Is that is that a good welcome? That sounded really... <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, anyway. In Chapter 10, uh, we learn a lot more about Creature and what Creature went through um, as a result of being involved with R.A.B. 
Regulus Arcturus Black. This is the this is the person who took the real locket and left the fake one in place. This was the fake locket that Dumbledore died to retrieve. And now, as Harry is willing to take a moment and listen to Creature, we find that Creature is a much more sympathetic character than we originally took him for. Uh, Creature... Creature very much loved the family that he worked for. He loved the Blacks because they treated him pretty well. Uh, except for Sirius, which is why they've always had a really antagonistic relationship. Um, but Creature loved Regulus. This is Sirius's brother. And as a result of this, as Regulus started to move more and more toward the dark arts and became a Death Eater. Creature was still loyal. Hermione mentions this, you know, the, why Why would a house elf care about wizarding wars? All Creature really knows is who treats him well and who doesn't, and Regulus did. We find that at one point, Lord Voldemort, this was back, back when Lord Voldemort was at the height of his power previously, Lord Voldemort required the assistance of an elf. Regulus offered Creature, and Voldemort took Creature out into the, out onto that lake in the cave, and made Creature drink the potion that so many years later Dumbledore would eventually drink. It's the same terror for Creature that it was for Dumbledore, and using Creature to drink up this potion. Uh, Voldemort puts the real locket inside this um, uh, inside this, this little cistern thing. Um, now, it appears that after this, Regulus has some sort of change of heart. Yeah, Joe says, Creature is such an underrated character, and I agree completely, and I wish we had had more time to develop this a little bit, because we're going to see um, a little bit more. Uh, Dusk says, Harry sent Creature to fetch uh, Mundungus. Yes, that's coming up in just a moment. Um, <laughs> well then I want to say hello to Holly Rose and to your sister hello sister of Holly uh, I hope you're doing well I hope both of you are doing well drive safe I, I commend you for doing the safe thing and, and uh, driving safely but uh, you missed it a little bit ago I realized two weeks ago and only sort of realized to mention it this week I just now noticed Holly the the detail that you put in I didn't realize that the bookshelf in the background it had sort of it had, there was so much detail already the bookshelf in the background I just realized you pulled that from my library here didn't you and so I wanted to commend you on that as well so uh, let's hear another hand for Holly Rose and the amazing piece of art in the background as a matter of fact I don't know if Holly Rose's sister has seen it so I'm gonna show it off again I will use any excuse I can Ta-da! I love it. I love it. I want to get a, uh, a sticker of my logo for my uh, my new headphones here, and I want to say thank you also um, to Tuna Sunday for giving me these headphones. This is a birthday present from Tuna. Thank you very much, Tuna. But um, we have an idea of what became of the locket. It was it was here at one point. It was here in the house. As a matter of fact, when the group was clearing it out with the Order of the Phoenix. They had it in hand at one point. They found a locket that they couldn't open, and 
now that they've traced its history from Voldemort uh, with Creature and then um, Regulus Arcturus Black, Sirius's brother, um, after his falling out with the Death Eaters, he secretly went there and uh, with Creature. Uh, and and uh, instead of having Creature drink the potion again, Regulus himself drinks the potion and orders Creature to A, switch out the lockets, B, go back home and leave Regulus there, and C, don't tell anyone what he did. Of course, Mrs. Black is just horrified by this. She's devastated. Of course, she'd lost a son. And Creature, who loves this family, is under orders not to say a word. Truly a tough position for Creature to be in, but they've traced this, and now they know Creature brought it back to the house with the orders to destroy it. Regulus told Creature to destroy this locket, and try as Creature might, he was not able to do it, so he has kept it all these years. And now... The group thinks they might have thrown it out, but Creature hid it away. And then Mundungus came and stole it. Mundungus Fletcher, uh, member-ish of the Order of the Phoenix, true scallywag. Um, and so, because they don't know where Mundungus is, Harry, in a moment of kindness, finally this moment of growth, um, Harry sends Mundung uh, excuse me, Harry sends Creature, um, along with a gift for Creature, to find Mundungus Fletcher. Yeah, Ashmore says, Creature is left with a heavy burden. And Gems says, R.A.B. redeeming himself. Absolutely. Uh, and Memnite, thanks for handing out these uh, sub-gifts. I'm sure people appreciate it. Um, and uh, we are left with this idea that, you know what, we're just going to have to kind of wait for Creature to come back. But it doesn't happen. Not for the rest of the night. Not for the next day. Not for the next day. And then they have a visitor. It's not who they're expecting. Um, but Lupin arrives. Right? I didn't goof this up. Hold on. Oh, duh. That happened in a chapter earlier. I'm sorry. Uh, but yes. Uh, sending, uh, sending Creature away. And then chapter 12... Of course, we have got uh, Ron and Hermione doing some bickering. Um, it seems that, uh, sorry, now we are here with Lupin. Uh, it takes a while for Creature to return, and Lupin arrives, and they have a quick discussion. Quicker than I think any of us would have hoped. In which Lupin offers to accompany Harry, Ron, and Hermione on their mission, whatever it is. Harry, uh, Harry doesn't even need to tell Lupin what has been happening, um, or what the plan is, because... Lupin trusts Dumbledore's plan for Harry not to mention it to anyone. The conversation goes poorly, because Lupin mentions that Tonks is pregnant. Yeah, Courtney. Lupin arrives and announces Tonks is pregnant. Harry's baffled that anyone would leave a child like this, and Lupin expresses his point of view, uh, which we talked about at some length last week, um, that he regrets even becoming involved with uh, Tonks, and that he has brought nothing but suffering on Tonks and their unborn child. You know, what will the child be? Will, will the child be half werewolf, part werewolf? Um, 
Lupin is devastated by bringing this child into the world in such a painful manner. And Harry, from his point of view, is of course adamant that a parent should not leave their child. That's the greatest pain that a parent could inflict in Harry's mind. They argue. Um, they argue, and Harry is so harsh that Lupin actually stuns him before leaving. Emma Shea says, I love that Rowling gave Lupin his own room for growth, even though he's one of the mentor figures. Makes it much more realistic. And yes, absolutely. I think um, all of the flaws that are explored in this um, are not only, like, it's, it's not just interesting. I've, I can be interested by all sorts of, you know, sort of hacky development, but I want to, I, I think it's not just interesting, but important, right? I, I, like Emma Shea, love it. I don't just find it interesting, I love it. Um, I think it's it's terribly important to discuss this, and we talked about it before, the world is not divided into good people and Death Eaters, and, uh, you know, with, with Lupin trying to do the right thing and, and having these disagreements about what's the right thing and how to execute it, um, I think it's an important discussion to have. Lupin leaves in uh, a, a fury, frantically, um, and Creature finally returns with the thief. We find out at the very end of chapter 11 what happened, what became of the locket. It was confiscated by someone with a little black bow in her hair who looks like a toad. We know who that is. Ham ham. And I think with that, folks, I th believe we are ready to get into it, aren't we? Hogwarts Hippie says, The scene with Lupin and Harry hurt me. I felt the pain from both. I understand Harry's anger, but I side with Lupin. That situation isn't all, isn't at all black and white. Um, I understand Harry's anger, but I side with Lupin. I think that's about what I feel. I, you know, we don't get to see very much of the the danger that Lupin is in. We only see it uh, sort of in retrospect with, you know, Lupin being exhausted or Lupin being injured. Um, we are we are exposed to it through the filter that he sort of brings, which is to not really reveal what has been going on in his background. And uh, Freya says, I think Lupin needs to try to not feel so guilty. Tonks loves him for who he is, and it hurts her that he's so negative about his condition. He deserves to be happy and have a family too. And I agree with you, Frey. I do think he deserves it, but I definitely understand. I, I think in Lupin's position, I would feel the exact same way. I guess, now that I think about it, if I were in Lupin's position, I would, of course, feel like Lupin. And if I were in Harry's position, of course, I would feel like Harry. Ham, ham. <laughs> it's a, such a good... Joe says they made an Umbridge emote. They did indeed. That's perfect. <laughs> what is that? OS Frog? Oh, boy. Good luck. Bye-bye, Holly Rose. We'll see you later. Thanks for dropping in. All right. Folks, I think it's time. Let's begin, shall we? Now, uh, a couple of things to know. First of all, uh, in our second chapter for the night, it was very, very difficult to find art, so I do apologize about that. Uh, Luke has done such a good job over these past couple of books, and um, uh, Luke Stoltzfus... Uh, 
unfortunately can't be with us tonight, at least not full time. But I want to really, you know, give a shout out to Luke Stolzfus, having done so much for the channel in terms of finding all of this art. Uh, it really takes a load off of me, and uh, so I think let's, you know, we can give Luke Stolzfus, although he's not here right now, a round of applause, and for uh, you know, for the things that he's spending his time on right now, because he's a teacher, and I think. You know, I appreciate that even more than what he was doing here. I can take care of this side of things. Luke, I appreciate what you're doing right now. And for all of our teachers, I appreciate you an awful lot. The second and final thing to know is that, unfortunately, Twitch has made some executive decisions uh, that streamer Twitter is furious about, but they are starting to enforce... Uh, ad breaks basically um, and they're going to put them in at random unless there's been a buffer if I have run one recently already so I'm going to be running one at the halftime during when I normally take my break you're not gonna have to like it's not gonna be halfway through the chapter it's just gonna be between breaks and I'm hoping that will give me enough of a buffer that they won't randomly interrupt the middle of our second chapter for the night with an ad break so again this is not up to me um, you notice the ads on the replay oh boy okay um, yeah so I'm gonna try and as much as I can put them in intentionally such that we don't get hit with a random one that interrupts the chapter so we have to like start over or something so something to keep in mind thank you all for being here let's do this how's it going drift yellow chapter 12 Magic is might. As August wore on, the square of unkempt grass in the middle of Grimald Place shriveled in the sun until it was brittle and brown. The inhabitants of Number 12 were never seen by anybody in the surrounding houses, and nor was Number 12 itself. The muggles who lived in Grimald Place had long since accepted the amusing mistake in the numbering, that had caused number eleven to sit beside number thirteen. And yet the square was now attracting a trickle of visitors who seemed to find the anomaly most intriguing. Barely a day passed without one or two people arriving in Grimald Place, with no other purpose, or so it seemed, than to lean against the railings facing numbers eleven and thirteen, watching the join between the two houses. The lurkers were never the same, two days running, although they all seemed to share a dislike for normal clothing. Most of the Londoners who passed them were used to eccentric dressers and took little notice, though occasionally one of them might glance back, wondering why anyone would wear such long cloaks in this heat. The watchers seemed to be gleaning little satisfaction from their vigil. Occasionally one of them started forward excitedly, as if they had seen something interesting at last— only to fall back, looking disappointed. On the first day of September, there were more people lurking in the square than ever before. Half a dozen men in long cloaks stood silent and watchful, gazing as ever at houses eleven and thirteen. But the thing for which they were waiting still appeared elusive. As evening drew in, bringing with it an unexpected gust of chilly rain for the first time in weeks, there occurred one of those inexplicable moments when they appeared to have seen something interesting. The man with the twisted face pointed at his 
closest companion, a podgy, pallid man, and they started forward, but a moment later they had relaxed into their previous state of inactivity, looking frustrated and disappointed. Meanwhile, inside number 12, Harry had just entered the hall. He had nearly lost his balance as he apparated onto the top step just outside the front door, and thought that the Death Eaters might have caught a glimpse of his momentarily exposed elbow. Shutting the front door carefully behind him, he pulled off the invisibility cloak, draped it over his arm, and hurried along the gloomy hallway toward the door that led to the basement, a stolen copy of the Daily Prophet clutched in his hand. The usual low whisper of Severus Snape greeted him. The chill wind swept him, and his tongue rolled up for a moment. I didn't kill you, he said, and once it had unrolled, he held his breath as the dusty Jinx figure exploded. He waited until he was halfway down the stairs to the kitchen, out of earshot of Mrs. Black and clear of the dust cloud, before calling, I've got news, and... You won't like it. The kitchen was almost unrecognizable. Every surface now shone. Copper pots and pans had been burnished to a rosy glow. The wooden tabletop gleamed, and goblets and plates already laid ready for dinner, in the light from a merrily blazing fire, on which a cauldron was simmering. Nothing in the room, however, was more dramatically different than the house elf who now came scurrying toward Harry. Dressed in a snowy white towel, his ear hair as clean and fluffy as a cotton wool, and Regulus's locket bouncing on his thin chest. Shoes off, if you please, Master Harry, and hands washed before dinner croaked creature, seizing the invisibility cloak and slouching off to hang it on a hook on the wall, beside a number of old-fashioned robes that had been freshly laundered. "'What's happening?' Ron asked apprehensively. He and Hermione had been poring over a sheaf of scribbled notes and hand-drawn maps that littered the end of the long kitchen table, but now they watched Harry as he strode toward them and threw down the newspaper on top of their scattered parchment." A large picture of a familiar, hook-nosed, black-haired man stared up at them all, beneath a headline that read, Severus Snape, confirmed as Hogwarts Headmaster. No, said Ron and Hermione loudly. Hermione was quickest. She snatched up the newspaper and began to read the accompanying story out loud. Severus Snape, long-standing potions master at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, was today appointed headmaster in the most important of several staffing changes at the ancient school. Following the resignation of the previous Muggle Studies teacher, Electo Caro will take over the position, while her brother Amicus fills the position of Defense Against the Dark Arts Professor. I welcome the opportunity to uphold our finest wizarding traditions and values, like committing murder and cutting off people's ears, I suppose. Snape, headmaster. Snape in Dumbledore's study. Merlin's pants! 
she shrieked, making both Harry and Ron jump. She leapt up from the table and hurtled from the room, shouting as she went, I'll be back in a minute. Merlin's pants, repeated Ron, looking amused. She must be upset. He pulled the newspaper toward him and perused the article about Snape. The other teachers won't stand for this. McGonagall, Flitwick, Sprout, they all know the truth. They, they know how Dumbledore died. They won't accept Snape as headmaster. And who are these carols? Death Eaters, said Harry. There are pictures of them inside. They were at the top of the tower when Snape killed Dumbledore, so it's all friends together. And, Harry went on bitterly, drawing up a chair. I can't see that the other teachers have got any choice but to stay. If the Ministry and Voldemort are behind Snape, it'll be a choice between staying and teaching, or a nice few years in Azkaban. And that's if they're lucky. I reckon they'll try and stay to protect the students. Creature came bustling to the table with a large tureen in his hands, and ladled out soup into pristine bowls, whistling between his teeth as he did so. Thanks, Creature, said Harry, flipping over the prophet so as not to have to look at Snape's face. Well, at least we know exactly where Snape is now. Oh, duh! Sorry, I need to pause for a moment. Joe says, it's like a Sherlock Holmes book, this artwork. I appreciate it, and I also got caught up in thanking um, uh, <laughs> Luke Stoltzfus and forgot to thank the person who found most of our art for our first chapter today, uh, Tuna. Thank you very much, Tuna. Of course, Tuna doing an awful lot for the channel um, between keeping things moderated such that Discord and Twitch are... A fun place to be rather than an annoying troll-filled place to be like some dr uh, drudgy magical corner of the magical world um but tuna thank you very much he found the art for uh for most of the first chapter today i appreciate it a lot let's continue harry began to spoon soup into his mouth the quality of creatures cooking had improved dramatically ever since he had been given regulus's locket Today's French onion was as good as Harry had ever tasted. There's still a load of Death Eaters watching the house, he told Ron as he ate. More than usual. It's like they're hoping that we'll march out carrying our school trunks and head off for Hogwarts Express. Ron glanced at his watch. I've been thinking about that all day. It left nearly six hours ago. It's weird not being on it, right? In his mind's eye, Harry seemed to see the scarlet engine, as he and Ron had once followed it by air, shimmering between fields and hills, a rippling scarlet caterpillar. He was sure Ginny, Neville, and Luna were sitting together at this moment, perhaps wondering where he, Ron, and Hermione were, or debating how best to undermine Snape's new regime. They nearly saw me coming back in just now, Harry said. I landed badly on the top step, and the cloak slipped. I do that every time. Oh, here she is, Ron added, craning around in his seat to watch Hermione re-entering the kitchen. 
and what in the name of Merlin's most baggy wife fronts was that about? I remembered this, Hermione panted. She was carrying a large framed picture, which she now lowered to the floor before seizing her small beaded bag from the kitchen sideboard. Opening it up, she proceeded to force the painting inside, and despite the fact that it was patently too large to fit inside the tiny bag, within a few seconds it had vanished, much like, oh, like so much else, into the bag's capacious depths. Phineas Nigellus, Hermione explained as she threw the bag onto the kitchen table with the usual sonorous clanking crash. Sorry, said Ron, but Harry understood. The painted image of Phineas Nigellus Black was able to flit between his portrait in Grimald Place and the one that hung in the headmaster's office at Hogwarts, the circular top-tower room where Snape was no doubt sitting right now. A triumphant possession of Dumbledore's collection of delicate silver magical instruments all around him. The stone pensive, the sorting hat, and, unless it had been moved elsewhere, the sword of Gryffindor. Snape could send Phineas Nigelis to look inside the house for him, Hermione explained to Ron as she resumed her seat. But let him try now. All Phineas Nigelis will be able to do is see the inside of my handbag. Oh, that's good thinking, said Ron, looking impressed. Thank you smiled Hermione, pulling her soup toward her. So, Harry, what else happened today? Nothing, said Harry. Watched the ministry entrance for seven hours. No sign of her. I saw your dad, though, Ron. He looks fine. Ron nodded his appreciation of this news. They had agreed that it was far too dangerous to try and communicate with Mr. Weasley, as he walked in and out of the ministry, because he was always surrounded by other ministry workers. It was, however, reassuring to catch these glimpses of him, even if he did look very strained and anxious. Dad always told us that most ministry people use the flu network to get to work, Ron said. That's why we haven't seen Umbridge. She'll never walk. She thinks she's much too important. And what about that funny old witch and the little wizard in the navy robes? Hermione asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, the bloke from Magical Maintenance, said Ron. How do you know that he works for Magical Maintenance? Hermione asked, her soup spoon suspended in midair. Well, Dad said that everyone from Magical Maintenance wears navy blue robes. But you never told us that! Hermione dropped her spoon and pulled toward her the sheaf of notes and maps that she and Ron had been examining when Harry had entered the kitchen. There's, there's nothing in here about navy blue robes, nothing, she said, flipping feverishly through the pages. Well, does it really matter? Ron, it all matters. If we're going to get into the ministry and not give ourselves away, they're bound to be on the lookout for intruders. Every little detail matters. We've been over and over this. I mean, what's the point of all these reconnaissance trips if you aren't even going to bother telling us? Blimey, Hermione, I forget one little thing. You do realise, don't you, that there's probably no more dangerous place in the world right now for us than the Ministry of... I think we should do it tomorrow, said Harry. Hermione stopped dead, her jaw hanging. Ron choked a little over his soup. 
tomorrow, repeated Hermione. You aren't serious, Harry? I am, said Harry. I don't think we're going to get much better prepared than we are right now, even if we skulk around the Ministry entrance for another month. The longer we put it off, the further away that locket could be. There's already a good chance that Umbridge has chucked it away. The thing doesn't open. Unless, said Ron, she's found a way of opening it, and she's now possessed. Wouldn't make any difference to her. She was so evil in the first place, Harry shrugged. Hermione was biting her lip, deep in thought. We know everything important, Harry went on, addressing Hermione. We know how they've stopped apparition in and out of the Ministry. We know only the most senior Ministry members are allowed to connect their homes to the flu network now, because Ron heard those two unspeakables complaining about it. And we know roughly where Umbridge's office is, because of what you heard that red-bearded bloke saying to his mate. I'll be up at level one. Dolores wants to see me. Hermione recited immediately. Exactly, said Harry. And we know you get in using those funny little coins or tokens or whatever they are, because I saw that witch borrowing one from her friend. But we haven't got any. If the plan works, we will have. Harry continued calmly. I... I don't know, Harry. I don't know. There's an awful lot of things that could go wrong. So much relies on chance. That'll be true even if we spend another three months preparing, said Harry. It's time to act. You could tell from Ron and Hermione's faces that they were scared. He was not particularly confident himself, and yet he was sure the time had come to put their plan into operation. They had spent the previous four weeks taking it in turns to don the invisibility cloak and spy on the official entrance to the Ministry, which Ron, thanks to Mr. Weasley, had known since childhood. They had tailed ministry workers on their way in, eavesdropped on their conversations, and learned by careful observation which of them could be relied upon to appear alone at the same time every day. Occasionally there had been a sneak. Occasionally there had been a chance to sneak a daily profit out of somebody's briefcase. Slowly, they had built up the sketchy maps and notes now stacked in front of Hermione. Scooter Patrol. ASMR welcome. <laughs> Ooh, all right, said Ron, slowly. Let's say that we go for it tomorrow. I think that it should be just... just me and Harry. Oh, don't start that again, sighed Hermione. I thought that we would settle this. It's one thing to be hanging around the entrances under the cloak, but this is different, Hermione. Ron jabbed a finger at the copy of the Daily Prophet dated ten days previously. You are on the list of Muggleborns who didn't present themselves for interrogation. And you're supposed to be dying of spatacroit at the burrow. If anyone doesn't go, it's Harry. He's got a ten thousand galleon price on his head. Fine, I'll stay here, said Harry. Let me know if you ever defeat Voldemort, will you? As Ron and Hermione laughed, pain shot through his scar on his forehead. His hand jumped to it. He saw Hermione's eyes narrow, and he tried to pass it off by brushing his hair out of his eyes. 
Well, if all three of us go, we'll have to disapparate separately, Ron was saying. We can't all fit under the cloak anymore. Harry's scar was becoming more and more painful. He stood up. At once, Creature hurried forward. Master has not finished his soup. Would Master prefer the savoury stew, or else the treacle tart to which Master is so partial? Thanks, Creature, but I'll be back in a minute. Uh, bathroom. Aware that Hermione was watching him suspiciously, Harry hurried up the stairs to the hall, and then to the first landing where he dashed into the bathroom and bolted the door again. Grunting with pain, he slumped over the black basin with its taps in the form of open-mouthed serpents and closed his eyes. He was gliding along a twilit street. The buildings on either side of him had high, timbered gales. They looked like gingerbread houses. He approached one of them and saw the whiteness of his own long-fingered hand against the door. He knocked. He felt a mounting excitement. The door opened. A laughing woman stood there. Her face fell as she looked into Harry's face. Humor gone, terror replacing it. Grigorovich, said a high, cold voice. She shook her head. She was trying to close the door. A white hand held it steady, preventing her shutting him out. I want Grigorovich. I want here nicht mehr, she cried, shaking her head. He no live here. He no live here. I know him not. Abandoning the attempt to close the door, she began to back away down the dark hall, and Harry followed, gliding after her. And his long-fingered hand had drawn his wand. Where is he? Das wish ich nicht. He move. I, I know not. I know not. He raised his wand. She screamed. Two young children came running into the hall. She tried to shield them with her arms. There was a flash of green light. Harry? 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 He opened his eyes. He had sunk to the floor. Hermione was pounding on the door again. Harry, open up! He had shouted out. He knew it. He got up and unbolted the door. Hermione toppled inside at once, regaining her balance, and looked around suspiciously. Ron was right behind her, looking unnerved as he pointed his wand into the corners of the chilly bathroom. "'What were you doing?' asked Hermione sternly. "'What do you think I was doing?' said Harry with feeble, feeble bravado. "'You were yelling your head off,' said Ron. "'Oh, yeah, I must have dozed off or—' "'Harry—' Please don't insult our intelligence, said Hermione, taking deep breaths. We know your scar was hurting downstairs, and you're white as a sheet. Harry sat down on the edge of the bath. Fine. I've just seen Voldemort murdering a woman. 
By now he's probably killed her whole family. And he didn't need to. It was Cedric all over again. They were just there. Harry, you aren't supposed to let this happen anymore, Hermione cried, her voice echoing through the bathroom. Dumbledore wanted you to use occlumency. He thought that the connection was dangerous. Voldemort can use it, Harry. What good is it to watch him kill and torture? How can it help? Because it means I know what he's doing, said Harry. So you're not even going to try to shut him out? Hermione, I can't. You know I'm lousy at occlumency. I never got the hang of it. You never really tried, she said hardly. I don't get it, Harry. Do you like having this special connection or relationship or whatever? She faltered under the look that he gave her as he stood up. Like it, he said quietly. Would you like it? I, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Harry. I didn't mean... I hate it. I hate the fact that he can get inside me, that I have to watch him when he's most dangerous. But I am going to use it. Dumbledore? Forget Dumbledore. This is my choice. Nobody else's. I want to know why he's after Grigorovich. Who? He's a foreign wand maker, said Harry. He made Crumb's wand, and Crumb reckons that he's brilliant. But according to you, said Ron, Voldemort's got Ollivander locked up somewhere. If he's already got a wand maker, what does he need another one for? Maybe he agrees with Crumb. Maybe he thinks Grigorovich is better. Or else he thinks Grigorovich will be able to explain what my wand did when he was chasing me. Because Ollivander didn't know. Harry glanced into the cracked, dusty mirror and saw Ron and Hermione exchanging skeptical looks behind his back. Harry... You keep talking about what your wand did, said Hermione, but you made it happen. Why are you so determined not to take responsibility for your own power? Because I know it wasn't me. And so does Voldemort, Hermione. We both know what really happened. They glared at each other. Harry knew he had not convinced Hermione and that she was marshalling counter-arguments against both his theory on the wand and the fact that he was perf and the fact that he was permitting himself to see into Voldemort's mind. To his relief, Ron intervened. Just drop it, he advised her. It's up to him. And if we're going to the Ministry tomorrow, don't you reckon that we should go over the plan? Reluctantly, as the other two could tell, Hermione let the matter rest, though Harry was sure she would attack back at the first opportunity. In the meantime, they returned to the basement kitchen, where Creature had served them all stew and treacle tart. They did not get to bed until late that night. After spending hours going over and over their plan until they could recite it, word perfect to each other, Harry, who was now sleeping in Sirius's room, lay in his bed with his wand light trained on the old photograph of his father, Sirius, Lupin, and Pettigrew, and muttered the plan to himself for another ten minutes. As he extinguished his wand, however, he was thinking not of Polyjuice Potion, puking pastilles, or the navy blue robes of magical maintenance. He thought of Grigorovich, the wand maker, 
and how long he could hope to remain hidden while Voldemort sought him so determinedly. Dawn seemed to follow midnight with indecent haste. Chatter break. Okay, folks. So, we have had... Uh-oh. That ain't it. Hold on. No, ignore that. Pay no mind. Pay no mind to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> it's friends call him Greg. All right. Jem <laughs> says Voldy needs Grigorovich to make him a new wand. A new special wand. Um, Folks, how are we feeling so far? I think it's been a pretty good chapter. Uh, and Tuna, yeah, thank you very much for throwing the Discord link back inside there. Um, we've got uh, Kit Cloudkicker has been doing kind of a public service for the folks in the Discord and screen capping the stream and posting the pictures down into the Discord so people can see the art that I'm using, which is pretty cool. And so, Kit, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, all right, folks. So we have got our we've got our chatter break now. We've got this moment here with Hermione and, uh, mostly Hermione and Harry kind of at odds, right? Uh, Harry believes that this is something that they can use, this this ability to see into Voldemort's mind, this sort of, it's barely even an ability, it's an affliction to see into Voldemort's mind. Um, and so I want to know what you think about using this as a tool versus sort of the risk of having Voldemort able to see back the other direction. What do we think? Jim says, I think I could be good at legitimacy. I don't know that I would. I'm wondering, I, I don't think I would be very good at it. I think I would find myself too often getting unfocused about it, um, which has been occasionally helpful in my more creative pursuits, but in sort of something that demands such mental discipline, I'm not sure I could pull it off without some significant practice. Uh, NYTF, uh, NYTFA says, it would be good if Harry could tell if it's real or not. Yeah, there's always that doubt in the back of the mind, right? Because we saw that in, I want to say it was book five, I believe. Um, Voldemort was able to use this, sort of weaponize this against Harry. Harry's not sure if he can trust it. Uh, Iroh says, I can't say anything. <laughs> what do you mean, Iroh? Uh... Uh, Memnite says, I'd definitely be good at Legilimens. Lovely Random says, uh, scroll up for the Discord link. Oh, gotcha. Just trying to find the Discord link. Yeah, so folks, I want to hear your thoughts about this. Legilimens, um, Occlumency, etc. Uh, how would you be, yeah, and uh, just sort of a, a question of, <laughs> more, more of a quiz, or a, like a poll question. Um, do you think you'd be better at the Legilimency side or the Occlumency side? There's my question for you. I think I could be okay at legitimacy. I don't think I'd be any good at occlumency. And I might have just, I might have already stated that incorrectly because I might have goofed the difference between the two. But yeah, I do not think I would be good. That's what I was referring to before. I don't think I would be any good at uh, occlumency. Memnite, thank you. I appreciate it. So, with that, I think let's continue. Equine says, legitimacy. Rolette thinks I would be better at occlumency. 
Uh, Lisa says, I can concentrate well enough for either. Fantastic. Good to know. Uh, I think I'd be great at both, says Hogwarts Hippie. Fantastic. Uh, and Leah says, Occlumency side, I'm not shy, but I like to hide my emotions, so I think I'd be good at that. You've got some, you got some practice with it. Shotzi says, Occlumency. I'd lose if someone tried to get into my head. <laughs> oh, I would lose it if somebody tried. All right. Let's go back. Dawn seemed to follow midnight with indecent haste. You look terrible, was Ron's greeting as he entered the room to wake Harry. Not for long, said Harry, yawning. They found Hermione downstairs in the kitchen. She was being served coffee and hot rolls by Creature and wearing the slightly manic expression that Harry associated with exam review. Robes, she said under her breath, acknowledging their presence with a nervous nod and continuing to poke around in her beaded bag. Polish potion. Invisibility cloak, decoy detonators, you should each take a couple just in case, puking pastilles, nosebleed nougat, extendable ears. They gulped down their breakfast, then set off upstairs. Creature bowing them out and promising to have a snake snake and kidney pie. For all of you true Slytherins, a steak and kidney pie ready for them when they returned. Bless him, said Ron fondly. And when you think that I used to fantasize about cutting off his head... Sticking it on the wall? They made their way onto the front step with immense caution. They could see a couple of puffy-eyed Death Eaters watching the house from across the misty square. Hermione disappeared with Ron first, and then came back for Harry. After the usual brief spell of darkness and near suffocation, Harry found himself in the tiny alleyway where the first phase of their plan was scheduled to take place. It was as yet deserted, except for a couple of large bins. The first ministry workers did not usually appear here until at least eight o'clock. Right then, said Hermione, checking her watch. She ought to be here in about five minutes. When I've stunned her... Hermione, we know, said Ron sternly. I thought that we were supposed to open the door before she got here. Hermione squealed. I nearly forgot. Stand back. She pointed her wand at the padlocked and heavily graffitied fire door beside them, which burst open with a crash. The dark corridor behind it led, as they knew from their careful scouting trips, into an empty theater. Hermione pulled the door back toward her, to make it look as though it were still closed. And now, she said, turning to face the other two in the alleyway, we put the cloak back on again. And we wait... Ron finished, throwing it over Hermione's head like a blanket over a birdcage, and rolling his eyes at Harry. A little more than a minute later, there was a tiny... And a little ministry witch with flyaway gray hair apparated just feet from them, blinking a little with a sudden brightness. The sun had just come out from behind a cloud. She barely had time to enjoy the unexpected warmth, however, before Hermione's silent, stunning spell hit her in the chest, and she toppled over. Nicely done, Hermione, said Ron, emerging from behind a bin next to the theater door as Harry took off the invisibility cloak. Together they carried the little witch into the dark passageway that led backstage. Hermione plucked a few hairs from the witch's head and added them to the flask of muddy polyjuice potion that she had taken from the beaded bag. Ron was rummaging through the little witch's handbag. 
She's Mafalda Hopkirk, he said, reading a small card that identified their victim as an assistant in the improper use of magic office. You better take this, Hermione, and here are the tokens. He passed her several small coins, all embossed with the letters M-O-M, which he had taken from the witch's purse. Hermione drank the polyjuice potion, which was now a pleasant heliotrope color, and within seconds stood before them, the double of Mafalda Hopkirk. As she removed Mafalda's spectacles and put them on, Harry checked his watch. We're running late. Mr. Magical Maintenance will be here any second. They hurried to close the door on the real Mafalda. Harry and Ron threw the invisibility cloak over themselves, but Hermione remained in view, waiting. Seconds later, there was another and a small, ferrety-looking wizard appeared before them. Oh, hello, my father. Hello, said Hermione in a quavery voice. How are you today? Uh, not how good, actually, replied the little wizard, who looked thoroughly downcast. As Hermione and the wizard headed for the main road, Harry and Ron crept along behind them. "'I'm sorry to hear that you're under the weather,' said Hermione, talking firmly over the little wizard as she tried to expound upon his problems. It was essential to stop him from reaching the street. Uh, "'Have a sweet.' Uh, uh, "'No, no thanks.' "'I insist,' said Hermione aggressively, shaking the bag of pastilles in his face. Looking rather alarmed, the little wizard took one. The effect was instantaneous. The moment the pastille touched his tongue, the little wizard started vomiting so hard he had not even noticed Hermione yanking a handful of hairs from the top of his head. Oh dear, she said, as she splattered the as he splattered the alleyway with sick. Perhaps you'd better take the day off. No, no, he choked and wretched, trying to continue on his way despite being unable to walk straight. I must go today. I must go. "'But that's just silly,' said Hermione, alarmed. "'You can't go to work in this state. "'I think you ought to go to St. Mungo's and get them to sort you out.' "'The wizard had collapsed, heaving on all fours, "'still trying to crawl toward the main street. "'You simply can't go to work like this,' cried Hermione. "'At last he seemed to accept the truth of her words.' Using a repulsed Hermione to claw his way back to a standing position, he turned on the spot and vanished, leaving nothing behind but the bag Ron had snatched from his hand as he went in some flying chunks of vomit. Uh, said Hermione, holding up the skirts of her robe to avoid the puddles of sick. It would have made much less mess to stun him, too. Yeah said Ron, emerging from under the cloak, holding the wizard's bag. But I still think a whole pile of unconscious bodies would have drawn a bit more attention. Keen on his job, though, isn't he? Chuckles his hair and the potion, then. Within two minutes, Ron stood before them, as small and ferrety as the sick wizard, and wearing the navy blue robes that had been folded into his bag. It's weird that I wasn't wearing them today, was it? Seeing how much she wanted to go. Anyway, I'm Reg Catamole, according to the label on the back. Now wait here, 
Hermione told Harry, who was still under the invisibility cloak. And we'll be back with some hairs for you. He had to wait ten minutes, but it seemed to be much longer to Harry, skulking alone in the six-spattered alleyway beside the door, concealing the stunt Mafalda. Finally, Ron and Hermione reappeared. We don't know who he is, Hermione said, passing Harry several curly black hairs, but he's gone home with a dreadful nosebleed. Here, he's pretty tall. You'll need bigger robes. Harry pulled out a, oh, she pulled out a set of old robes that Creature had laundered for them, and Harry retired to take the potion and change. Once the painful transformation was complete, he was more than six feet tall, and from what he could tell from his well-muscled arms, powerfully built. He also had a beard. Stowing the invisibility cloak and his glasses inside his new robes, he rejoined the other two. Blimey, that's scary, said Ron, looking up at Harry, who now towered over him. Take one of Mafalda's tokens, Hermione told Harry, and let's go, it's nearly nine. They stepped out of the alleyway together. Fifty yards along the crowded pavement were the spiked black railings flanking two flights of steps. One labeled gentlemen, the other ladies. Oh, sorry, folks. I'll see you in a moment, then, said Hermione nervously, and she tottered off down the steps to ladies. Harry and Ron joined a number of oddly dressed men descending into what appeared to be an ordinary underground public toilet, tiled in grimy black and white. "'Morn and Reg!' called another wizard in navy blue robes as he set himself into a cubicle by inserting the golden token into a slot in the door. A "'Bloomin' pain in the bum then this, is it, eh? Forcing us all to get to work this way. Oh, they expectin' to turn up Harry Potter!' The wizard roared with laughter at his own wit. Ron gave a forced chuckle. Uh, "'Yeah,' he said. "'That's stupid, isn't he?' and he and Harry let themselves into adjoining cubicles. To Harry's left and right came the sound of flushing. He crouched down and peered through the gap at the bottom of the cubicle, just in time to see a pair of booted feet climbing into the toilet next door. He looked left and saw Ron blinking at him. We have to flush ourselves in, he whispered. Looks like it. Harry whispered back. His voice came out deep and gravelly. They both stood up. Feeling exceptionally foolish, Harry clambered onto the toilet. He knew at once he had done the right thing. Though he appeared to be standing in water, his shoes, feet, and robes remained quite dry. He reached up, pulled the chain, and next moment had zoomed down a short chute, emerging out of a fireplace into the Ministry of Magic. He got up clumsily, and there was a great deal more of his body than he was accustomed to. The great atrium seemed darker than Harry remembered it. Previously, a golden fountain had filled the center of the hall, casting shimmering spots of light over the polished wooden floor and walls. Now, a gigantic statue of black stone dominated the scene. It was rather frightening, this vast sculpture of a witch and a wizard sitting on ornately carved thrones. 
looking down at the ministry workers toppling out of fireplaces below them. Engraved in foot-high letters at the base of this statue were the words, Magic is Might. Harry received a heavy blow on the back of his legs. Another wizard had just flown out of the fireplace behind him. Get out of the way, can't you? Oh, sorry, Rumcorn. Clearly frightened, the balding wizard hurried away. Apparently the man whom Harry was impersonating, Runcorn, was intimidating. Psst, said a voice, and he looked around to see a wispy little witch and a ferrety wizard from Magical Maintenance gesturing to him from over beside the statue. Harry hastened to join them. You got in all right, then, Hermione whispered to Harry. No, he's still stuck in the bog, said Ron. Oh, very funny. It's horrible, isn't it? Oh, whoops. <laughs> That's not Harry. That's supposed to be Hermione. Oh, very funny. It's horrible, isn't it? She said to Harry, who was staring up at the statue. Have you seen what they're sitting on? Harry looked more closely and realized that what he had thought were decoratively carved thrones were actually mounds of carved humans. Hundreds and hundreds of naked bodies, men, women, children, all with rather stupid, ugly faces, twisted and pressed together to support the weight of the handsomely robed wizards. Muggles, whispered Hermione, in their rightful place. Come on, let's get going. They joined the stream of witches and wizards moving toward the golden gates at the end of the hall, looking around as surreptitiously as possible, but there was no sign of the distinctive figure of Dolores Umbridge. They passed through the gates and into a smaller hall, where queues were forming in front of the twenty golden grills housing as many lifts. They had barely joined the nearest one when a voice said, Catamol. They looked around. Harry's stomach turned over. One of the Death Eaters who had witnessed Dumbledore's death was striding toward them. The ministry workers beside them fell silent, their eyes downcast. Harry could feel fear rippling through them. The man's scowling, slightly brutish face was somehow at odds with his magnificent sweeping robes, which were embroidered with much golden thread. Someone in the crowd around the lifts called sycophantically, Good morning, Yaxley! Yaxley ignored them. I'm requesting somebody from Magical Maintenance to sort out my office, Casamal. It's still raining up there. Ron looked around as though hoping somebody else would intervene, but nobody spoke. Right, in, in your office? Yeah, that's, that's not good, is it? Ron gave a nervous laugh. Yaxley's eyes widened. You think that is funny, Catamal, do you? A pair of witches broke away from the queue for the lift and bustled off. No, said Ron. No, of course. You realize I'm on my way downstairs to interrogate, interrogate your wife, Catamal. In fact, I'm quite surprised you're not down there holding her hand while she waits. Already given her up as a bad job, have you? It's probably wise. Be sure and marry a pure blood next time. 
Hermione let out a little squeak of horror. Yaxley looked at her. She coughed feebly and turned away. I, I, um, stammered Ron. But if my wife were accused of being a mudblood, said Yaxley, not that any woman I married would ever be mistaken for such filth, and the head of the Department of Magic or Law Enforcement needed a job to, and I would make it my priority to do that job, Catamal, do you understand me? Yes, whispered Ron. Then attend to it, Catamal, if my office is not completely dry within the hour. Your wife's blood status will be in even graver doubt than it is right now. The golden grill before them clattered open. With a nod and an unpleasant smile to Ron, unpleasant smile to Harry, who was evidently expected to appreciate this treatment of Cattermole, he actually swept away toward another lift. Harry, Ron, and Hermione entered theirs, but nobody followed them. It was as if they were infectious. The grills shut with a clang, and the lift began to move upward. "'What am I going to do?' Ron asked the other two at once. He looked stricken. "'If I don't turn up, my wife... I, I mean, Catabold's wife... "'We'll come with you. We should stick together,' began Harry, but Ron shook his head feverishly. "'That's mental. We haven't got that much time. You two find Umbridge. I'll go and sort out Yaxley's office. But how do I stop it from raiding?' "'Try finite incantatum,' said Hermione at once. Should stop the rain if it's a hex or curse. If it doesn't, something's gone wrong with an atmospheric charm, which will be more difficult to fix. So, as an interim measure, try impervious to protect his belongings. Say it again, slowly, said Ron, searching his pockets desperately for a quill, but at that moment the lift juddered to a halt. A disembodied female voice said, Level four. Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures, incorporating Beast, Being, and Spirit Divisions, Goblin Liaison Office, and Pest Advisory Bureau. And the grills slid open again, admitting a couple of wizards and several pale violet paper airplanes that fluttered around the lamp in the ceiling of the lift. "'Good morning, Albert,' said a bushily whiskered man, smiling at Harry." glanced over at Ron and Hermione as the lift creaked upward once more. Hermione was now frantically whispering instructions to Ron. The wizard leaned toward Harry, leering, and muttered, Dark Creswell, eh? From the Goblin Liaison. Nice one, Albert. Pretty confident I'll get his job now. He winked. Harry smiled back, hoping that this would suffice. The lift stopped. The grills opened once more. <laughs> Thank you, Em. I appreciate that a lot. Level 2. Department of Magical Law Enforcement, including the Improper Use of Magic Office, Aura Headquarters, and Wizengamut Administration Services, said the disembodied witch's voice. Harry saw Hermione give Ron a little push, and he hurried out of the lift followed by the other wizards, leaving Harry and Hermione alone. The moment that the golden door had closed, Hermione said very fast, Actually, Harry, I think I'd better go after him. I don't think he knows what he's doing, and if he gets caught, the whole thing... Level 1. Minister for Magic, 
Support staff. The golden grills slid apart again and Hermione gasped. Four people stood before them, two of them in deep conversation. A long-haired wizard wearing magnificent gro robes of black and gold, and a squat, toad-like witch wearing a velvet bow in her short hair and clutching a clipboard to her chest. And that's the end of our first chapter for today. And believe it or not, this, by the way, a long ago, in the, in the early days of sidecar stories, this would not have counted in the least as being ahead of schedule, but now it kind of does. <laughs> what do we think, folks? Dusk says, if it's a past book, um, he has read them. Uh, it's not a spoiler for the people here. Yeah, I would say, as far as spoilers go, I would say for the live shows here... Um, you can discuss anything that we are currently caught up with. I know we're, we're trying to, you know, skirt kind of that balance because, um, you know, some people in the Discord, for instance, are still catching up on YouTube. And I want to keep it friendly for them. So I would say, if you've got anything that might be spoilery, try to move that into the Harry Potter spoilers discussion. Thank you, Baby Zay. I appreciate it. I was actually, I felt good about that one today. My, my elevator lady voice. That one, for some reason, like, it felt like, finally, and I was talking about this at the, uh, at the AMA recently, uh, finally, that was, that seemed like a good representation of an authentic, normal female voice. Like, it's not like umbrage, like, oh, it sounds like this, or, um, uh, something very, forgot her name for a second come on i'm trying to turn the ac on but i don't know what to do about it sounds off says rowlet um is it did i like oh i muted myself for a moment okay i keep forgetting that yeah I, i've got this thing it switches over my microphones to a different filter set um so i try to remember thanks yellow um but, uh, yeah, just, <laughs> I think it was, I was doing um, McGonagall, and I forgot McGonagall's name. But, yeah, it's, it's I, I think today I finally managed, like, a decent, authentic female human voice, not, like, a, a human caricature. So, um, Teen Bean, it would appear that you did indeed miss your first chapter for the night. Mem Knight, thanks for the reminder. Um, folks, we are in our break. Uh, as such, I'm going to go ahead, I guess to give us the best buffer, I'm going to run it at the end of the break. Um, so, uh, come back and just don't, like, I would encourage you to mute the thing, but, um, when I, when we do our break here, I'm going to have the timer counting down and I will, I will set the ad to go right at the very end of the timer. So it'll be done by the time the timer ends. So there you go. Just something to keep in mind. Uh, for those of you who are joining us just now, I announced it a little bit earlier, but Twitch has enforced on all channels, site-wide, um, essentially random ad breaks. And normally I don't run any of them here, but if I don't run one, I don't get the buffer, and it might just interrupt us in the middle of a chapter. So, uh, I, Lisa, I already did. Don't you worry. I appreciate the reminder, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are going to be... So, I just expect that it'll be in the middle of our break, so... It won't, like, interrupt any reading, I promise. Now, what do we think, folks? High intensity. <laughs> Love my old lady impersonation, says Gems. Thank you. Um, 
M says, I love how the safest place in the wizarding world has become the most dangerous place so quickly. I think that's a pretty good point. Um, and actually, uh, Tuna was talking to us a little bit about this recently, about how um, you know certain elements of red tape are necessary in government, such as to disallow the consolidation of power too quickly. Now, that tends to move out of the way pretty quick when you've got the power to imperious folks and simply enforce your will upon them and have them act for you. But uh, we can definitely see what has happened here. There has been a consolidation of power. Um, we can see that, you know, in this very um, authoritarian type regime where, where Voldemort is trying to hold power through these other folks, we see a couple of kind of the hallmarks of essentially, you know, evil sort of, you know, dictatorship type action. Um, you know what? I'm going to try and be more precise with my language. Uh, it is authoritarian government, uh, sort of a, a very fascist attitude here, and we see how they are trying to discredit other institutions um, and claim that they're the only real voice that you should listen to. Um, uh, they are sort of pushing out people and creating a definite sense of others, um, using these very dividing terms like mudblood, which, you know, I, I say it out loud, but I think we should we should uh, recognize that that is the, the essential, like that's essentially a, a racial slur. Like we could equivocate that to any of the worst racial slurs that one knows about. Um, and yeah, we, we see these moments where there is a, a lot of this very fascist activity of um, cause people to distrust other institutions, um, take advantage of their fears, especially of other groups of people. Um, so anytime, you know, they talk about, you know, how dangerous the mudblood is or how dangerous the muggles are or how we should be, um, you know, how, how we should be uh, on top. Anytime you see folks who are trying to claim that any group of people is less than human, you can pretty much guess that group of people is about to do something really evil. And not just to the people that they're accusing. I think there's a there's a mistake that we, we make sometimes in assuming that, okay, well, it will stop with them, right? And it does not. <laughs> there have been enough, there have been numerous examples of this throughout history, and, and uh, you know, fascism tends to creep upward from the bottom. Uh, the, the greatest sufferers tend to be a pretty small group at first, and then it expands and expands as power is able to be consolidated into just a few groups or a very small group of people then they're able to exert that power on more and more folks because they have absorbed the power and the rest of them, uh, the rest of these groups don't have that power anymore. So, uh, NYTFA says, it's super interesting to look at the information we've been given about the history of the ministry, like the old wars and the changes of power. Uh, yeah, I think there would be, like, I'm, I'm sure the magical history would be long and storied. Gems says, these books were started less than 10 years after the fall of communism in Germany and Romania. Uh, yeah, and we see a lots of parallels between, um, uh, I think there is a, a very much a sort of Third Reich attitude um, uh, involved with the Grindelwald stuff. I think that is sort of the, the similarity we're meant to see there. But um, I think we're also meant to see that some of those attitudes didn't die. They don't die. And um, while it's discouraging that it's very likely they will never be fully killed. It's also a good reminder that we always have to be here to fight it. 
Shotzi says, uh, Sam, uh, it's also like they allow the population to adjust and accept the new way of life, and then another small change, another lather, rinse, repeat. Um, Nitfa, I see. Okay. I will try to remember that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nitfa. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is precisely why history is important, Lisa. Um, we are, I think we're seeing, yeah, we're, we're seeing how it starts slowly. I think it starts slowly and quietly. And then at some point it switches, right? It switches to the point where the attempt is not to have these things happen in secret um, and go unnoticed. It's to bury them in so many rapid changes um, that you can no longer keep up with one particular issue. We have to remain vigilant and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, never let these things take power. Teen Bean says, uh, just goes into the shadows but never really leaves. Constant vigilance. Uh, Crypto Walt, hello. I don't think I've seen you in here to chat before, so welcome. Uh, Crypto Walt says, Shotzi Red makes a good point. There's also uh, a saying that goes like, first they came for, yes, uh, first they came for this group, and I said nothing. Uh, because I, and there's a, a part that you missed in there that says, first they came for this group, and I said nothing because I was not part of X group. You know, first they came for X's freedom, and I said nothing because I was not X. Then they came for Y, and I said nothing because I was not Y. And then they came for me, and there was nobody left to say anything. It starts from the bottom. Anytime, anytime folks try to start from the bottom, start with the, the most vulnerable, start with the most... Uh, I think any, yeah, Gems, any fascist uh, group of individuals under any title, um, you know, erasure of history, or trying to modify history, trying to modify the understanding of history, um, by, uh, you know, changing how it is written or changing the way that it is taught. I think we see that one frequently. Um, uh, those attempts to change history to try, try and make people forget how it happens or how they were able to grab power or how things were before, that there were other systems at some point. Um, and then it's not simply, all right, well, we've trusted the, this tiny group of people who seized power long, uh, you know, before I remembered how, and... Now we just have to trust them, because this is kind of how it's always been, right? No, it hasn't. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, but, uh, yeah, keep an eye on it, folks. Anytime they start at the bottom and try, with the most vulnerable and try to work their way up, you think it'll stop somewhere below you, and it simply will not. Chatsi says, if you think about it, though, those who were raised during those times, it's their norm. Um, and yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's that's very intentional. They try, you know, these groups try to make it the norm. They try to make it seem like, oh yeah, this is just the way of life. Um, they will try to, um, you know, uh, adjust. They will they will try to take control over the way that these things are taught about, etc. Um, but I think <laughs> I need to go back and uh, take a moment here. Um, a quote quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, indeed. I actually didn't know that was his quote. I did not know that was Bonhoeffer, but um, I'm, I, I, I actually did a, a brief study of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life back when I was in, uh, back when I was homeschooled. Anyway, I have to take my break, folks. We laid into it hard here in the mid, in the, uh, in the between chapters. Uh, like I said, 
hang out here. Um, I'm going to take my break, and then I will come right back. And uh, I promise the ad break will be done before our break is done here. Like I said, mute the mute the dumb thing. I'll see you all in five minutes. Bye-bye.
Hello and welcome back. That's for uh, that's for the benefit of the Discord. Um, yeah, if y'all are um, uh, if you are on. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. I don't know why I couldn't put the ideas together in my mind, but Tuna's got it. No ads for subs. If you're subscribed, that means you never have to sit through a single ad. I also, um, I don't get to choose anything about the ads that are run. Um, I think that's a little disturbing, frankly. Um, but uh, I, 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 I don't endorse any of it. I don't even know what ad was run for y'all, but I don't endorse it. I'm just trying I'm just trying to read stories to you folks. Damn. <laughs> uh Dementor Slayer, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate all sorts of fact-checking. Uh, Dementor Slayer says, I fact-checked the quote just to make sure. Some people have attributed it to Bonhoeffer, but it seems to maybe have been um uh Martrick uh Nimola. Nimola? I don't know how that's pronounced, but uh, I appreciate the fact-checking. Fact-checking's good. Um, <laughs> he's whispering again. Sam, don't interrupt Sam. What are you talking about? Reminiscing about Germany? Oh, fantastic. I have never been to Germany. We talked about it a bit during my AMA, but I have been to uh, a fair number of uh, a fair number of countries in Europe. Um, but Germany was one of the ones that I sort of that sort of dropped out of the middle of our travel plans. I've been to Spain, Europe, uh, Europe, Spain, France, um, uh, around the UK, except not to Wales, nor the Isle of Man. I, I just flipped you off a little bit, and I do apologize for that. Um, but yeah, the, Germany is one that I have not been to. I would love to go to Germany, but I am so attracted to the Nordic countries that I might want to try there first. Yeah, I know, Tuna. I'm sure that I would be... I'm, I'm sure. I was sure I was going to find someone who would be willing to harsh my mellow about it. Go up? What you talking about, Iroh? To Germany? Go to Germany? Is that what you're saying? I'm trying to fill up my water without overfilling it because it's high up on my desk. I got a platform on my desk and it makes it too high up to be able to see. Yeah. Yeah, lovely random says um uh basically talking about the ideal here and how even the the folks who espouse this ideal do not match the ideal. Um Voldemort is targeting uh, non-pure bloods in spite of the fact that Voldemort himself was not pure blood. Oh, Dusk. Yeah, I whisper so that when... <laughs> so let me tell you why I whisper. It's for the Discord folks. Um, because y'all have music. You can see that, like, when I am when I come back here... Um, uh, when I come back here into the, the, the library here, y'all can see that and y'all can hear that the, you know, the music is gone, etc. For, <laughs> for the Discord folks, the only difference is I am muted or I am not muted. They can't hear any of the... They can't hear any of the ads, first of all, but they can't hear uh, any of the music... And so, if I just come in like, hey, folks, how's it going? Good good morning, Vietnam! Then it's a pretty jarring experience for Jade, Kit Cloud Kicker, Mimi66, and MMP. And I don't want to do that to y'all. So, <laughs> folks, let's continue, shall we? Scotland is my home, says Equine. 
Oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. I'm sorry. I think my 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 Scottish accent is all right. I made a ter I made a terrible mistake, and uh, tried to pull off a Swedish accent. And then I found out that one of the people who was in chat that day was a Swede. And then I found out later that day, my Swedish accent wasn't even close. It was just an exciting, exciting time. Um, but let's talk about our chapter a little bit. Um, chapter. Oh, and I've done the thing. Hold on. I've done the thing. Let me go ahead and change my face cam splash here so that at least it reads right for our next chapter. Chapter... 13, because I keep forgetting to do this. Chapter 13 is the Muggleborn. Uh, registration. Oh my lord. Commission. Um, and it looks like it's not going to fit the whole thing on there. That is tough. Anyway, it's a long chapter title. Um, yeah, I wish I wish it hadn't been on the screen. I just realized it's on the screen when I do that. Oh boy, the picture is powering my female voices tonight. Yeah, I got the I got that uh, that XX power. Let's go, XX power. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Um, although, no, I've I've uh, I don't I don't want to call those things equivalent. Um, but. Uh, yeah, for my for my my voices that are designed to sound feminine, pink shirt it is. I know you had the opportunity to watch every single wrong keystroke I tried to drop in there. I'm not happy about it. Iro is going to medical school in a few years. Congratulations, Iro. There was a time when I intended to go to medical school as well. Um, it was not like a few years. It, what am I, why am I still here? Why am I just hanging out in this book? Let's go back to the library. Um, when I was very young, uh, I I was going to uh, I was planning to be an infectious disease specialist. Um, I started with I mean this is probably stuff that I should have covered in the AMA, but hey, here's uh, before we get into our review, here's just a brief summary of uh, Sam's Sidecar Sam's <laughs> local company knows how to still do business. No, um, uh, Sidecar Sam's lifelong aspirational profession goals from a to z so it started with i wanted to be a spy very badly i went through all the cycles as a kid of course i wanted to be an astronaut at one point i probably wanted to be you know uh, a soldier for a day or something but i really wanted to be a spy for a while it was a boy it was a butchered office reference crypto walt thank you for <laughs> picking up the pieces that i left of it um but uh, I wanted to be a spy very badly, and then I saw a picture of a hanged Revolutionary War spy, and I realized, oh, it's like, oh, it's like dangerous. It's not just adventuring with gadgets, because that's what I really wanted to do. I just wanted to go on adventures and have gadgets. Um, I loved the Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego game. Um, it was fantastic, and I learned a ton, honestly, within it. So the folks who made the Carmen Sandiego games, good on you. Where in the World, When in Time is Carmen Sandiego? Good stuff. Um, I never watched the show as a kid, but I really loved those games. Uh, after that, uh, so that, that carried me through a decent bit of elementary school. Um, and then uh, at some point in there, I switched over and I really wanted to be a doctor. Um, I wanted to go to school. This is when, this is when I sort of, uh, that, that phase where you realize that money is important, but you haven't yet realized that money isn't 
as um, it will not necessarily bring the things that you want it to bring. You can afford material stuff, but it does not necessarily bring things like happiness or satisfaction. Um, so I was in that phase there in the middle, and I really wanted to be a doctor because, um, uh, and and I specifically wanted to be a, an infectious disease specialist. Uh, <laughs> Shotzi says, "Good on you, Sam. The show sucked so bad." I watched a bit of Totally Spies. I watched Spy Kids. I watched uh, Codename Kids Next Door. Um, I, I really loved Spy Kids, even though, man, it's some goofy stuff in it. Those are some goofy movies. Um, <laughs> thank you for unbutchering that that uh, quote, Tuna. I appreciate you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you folks who want to be doctors. Um, just for me, I was... I was doing it for the wrong reasons, so I want to make that very clear. Uh, I want to I want to send out a lot of appreciation to um, any 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 folks who are pursuing uh, a medical profession right now. I ex I appreciate y'all a lot. Well, Tanisha, uh, we're expecting you to make a vaccine with your infectious disease expertise. I was actually voted. Um, uh, there was. Uh, we, my high school was pretty binary, and we voted one guy and one girl, and I was voted. Um, most likely to cure a disease. So there's that. I don't see myself doing it reading books on the internet, but hey, maybe it'll happen. We'll see. I hope to. I hope to give someone a the the mental peace to be able to cure a disease. But I don't think I'm going to be there. I don't. I don't think I'm going to cure it myself. Um, uh, after that, for a while, I uh, wanted to be a pastor. Um, that was a shorter phase, and then um, after I was uh, no longer religious, um, I have been trying some different things. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it too much at length right now. But there is the there is the history of Sam's career aspirations. So uh, let's talk about a quick review as we do. Uh, chapter twelve: Magic is Might. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are hiding out in number 12, Grimald Place. It is a tough time. You have to be very careful. Um, you have to be very, very careful not to get spotted by the folks who are constantly keeping an eye on number 12, Grimald Place. Um, Creature has made a complete 180-degree turn. He's cleaned himself up. He's cleaned up the house and is cooking and is very cordial toward Harry. It seems that that one boy... It doesn't take much kindness, does it, for some folks? And uh, and yet, even that, sometimes we are unwilling to give. Uh, a, a reminder of the power of kindness. Good reminder of the power of kindness. Uh, creature is now just absolutely the most helpful um, sort of force of good in the house for trying to keep things, trying to keep things well. Uh, well smoothed out so that Harry, Ron, and Hermione can do their planning in peace. And there's a lot of planning to do. We slowly find out that they have a plan, although they don't um, uh, sort of... Um, oh boy, there's a specific word I want to say and I can't remember what it's called. Uh, do, they don't delineate the... There it is, I found it. Delineate. Uh, they don't delineate the entire plan. We just know it's got something to do with taking on the appearances of some other folks. We know that they have stunned some folks, sent some other folks home. Essentially, they lie in wait outside of the Ministry of Magic, do some stunning, um, do some trickery, and they have got three disguises with their polyjuice potion. Um, Ron is um, a, uh, a, a magical maintenance worker. Um, Harry is disguised as 
a certain Runcorn, who appears to be working with the bad folks here at the Ministry, and Hermione is um, uh, Mafalda Hopkirk, and she works for the Misuse of Magic Office, I want to say? Anyway, that's where we're at. Um, they are trying to move through the, the Ministry of Magic unnoticed, and they see that some changes have been made around here. It seems a little darker, and at the uh, at this uh, sort of the, the most blatant example is in the atrium sort of the, the main room here um, the fountain that once stood here that we saw featured so heavily in the duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore to save Harry was destroyed that fountain was destroyed and what appears to have replaced it is this statue let me see if I can find it really quick of a witch and a wizard carved of black stone sitting on a throne that, if you look closely, is made of muggles. So, they're making some bold statements here about power. And who has it, who should have it. And we talked at length about uh, fascist regimes and how those, those get started. So, uh, let's see about the inner workings of this particular one. Actually, hold on. Let's not let's not go in quite yet. I want to say hi to chat first. <laughs> uh, Shazi says, "Pinky in the brain, Pinky in the brain." One's a genius. All together now. I actually don't. I don't know how the song goes. Otherwise, I would. Sorry. Um, I. Some of y'all might know this about me already, but I missed a lot of things that were sort of contemporary, um, like the 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 folks that other. The things that other folks were doing when I was young, I just wasn't involved with. I missed it somehow for some reason. Um, whether it was Harry Potter because I wasn't allowed to, or um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the shows that folks watched when they were young, I just sort of like like missed it in the night or something. I think part of it was probably with the homeschool, etc. Um, but I don't know. Oh, Lone Star, I have indeed watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, and. It is, I would say, it's top 10 for me. It's top, one of my top 10 favorite stories in any medium. I think uh, the Last Airbender series is so, so good. Um, pretty much lived at your babysitters, Shotzi? I gotcha. Yeah, Ravenclaws do need to stick, well, I think everybody needs to stick together, frankly. But uh, yeah, I am a Ravenclaw as well. <laughs> Love Avatar, Last Airbender. I thought the... Avatar, the Blue Alien movie was okay, but Avatar Last Airbender, now that's fantastic. Uh, Emma Shea says, yeah, I read Harry Potter as an adult too because I wasn't allowed. Still fun, but sometimes I wish I'd grown up with it. Um, I had, yeah, I had a fairly unique experience. I think I kind of caught the last boat that would have allowed me to enjoy it as it was meant to be enjoyed, which was that uh, I got really sick for about a week and I read all of the Harry Potter books in eight days and the the uh, the opportunity to read them in such like just go through the story in such uh, an immersive fashion was fantastic. <laughs> Shotzi says, "Sam, stop it! Iro's your mini me." Iro, hello. <laughs> in what ways? I want to hear about it. Um, but yeah, being able to being able to go through them so quickly and in such a dense fashion, as opposed to sort of spreading it out amidst my uh, more adult life, because I was 20 years old when I read it, um, then I would, I don't know, I don't know that I would have been able to connect with it in the same way that I, f I 
am very glad that I was able to connect. Um, basically what I did with your read-through of Harry Potter, says Gems. Fantastic. Um, and Iroh says, can you do the comics after Percy Jackson? I will consider it, although I'm likely to move on to another series first. Uh, and I saw an interesting question. Which Hazel says, favorite character, Sam? Mine is Sokka. Um, I think it's going to be Iroh, frankly. I think my, my favorite character is Uncle Iroh. Um, I really like... Um, oh my good lord, I can see his face. I know he's played by, by uh, uh, Dante... Oh great, no, I can't remember Dante's last name either. Uh... Yeah, so Iroh is played by Mako, but Zuko, thank you. I, why couldn't I remember Zuko? But I, I do enjoy Zuko as well. I thought I think both of those folks are... Dante Bosco, thank you. Appreciate it. Tune, <laughs> tune to the rescue once more. Um, uh, that's all right, Sparkle Lovegood. I'll be making the announcement in additional places as well. Never you fear, but I wanted to give it... I, I like to give it to the live folks first. I think, uh, you know, some reward for y'all being here. Makes sense. Yeah, my, my, I think my favorite character is Iroh. Anyway, it's time. Let's go into our quick... Um, uh, well, no, we already did a review, basically. So let's just go into the chapter then. And for anyone who is here and doesn't know what this is, hi. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And we are currently on our Flying Sidecar show. Flying Sidecar is a... Uh, it's a, a voice actor's venture through some things that we all love. Uh, right now we're reading Harry Potter, and we are now on the Deathly Hallows, chapter 13. What's that? Mem Night Shotzi, dueling once again. Thank you very much, folks. All right, and unfortunately, won't, won't let me zoom in. The Muggle-Born Registration Commission. Ah, my father, said Umbridge, looking at Hermione. Trevor sent you, did he? Uh, yes, squeaked Hermione. Good, you'll do perfectly well. Umbridge spoke to the wizard in black and gold. That's that problem solved, Minister. If my father can be spared for record-keeping, we should be able to start straight away. She consulted her clipboard. Ten people today, and one of them the wife of a ministry employee. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Even here, in the heart of the ministry. She stepped into the lift beside Hermione, as did the two wizards who had been listening to Umbridge's conversation with the minister. We'll go straight down, my father. You'll find everything you need in the courtroom. Good morning, Albert. Aren't you getting out? Yes, of course, said Harry in Runcorn's deep voice. Harry stepped out of the lift. The golden grills clanged shut behind him. Glancing over his shoulder, Harry saw Hermione's anxious face sinking back out of sight. A tall wizard on either side of her, Umbridge's velvet hair bow level with her shoulder. What brings you up here, Rungorn? asked the new Minister of Magic. His long black hair and beard were streaked with silver, and a great overhanging forehead shadowed his glinting eyes, putting Harry in the mind of a crab looking out from beneath a rock. 
Need a quick word with... Harry hesitated for a fraction of a second. Arthur Weasley. Someone said he was up on level one. Ah, said Pius Thickness. Has he been caught having contact with an undesirable? No, said Harry, his throat dry. No, nothing like that. Ah, well, it's only a matter of time, said Thickness. If you ask me, the blood traitors are as bad as the mudbloods. Good day, Runcorn. Good day, Minister. Harry watched Thickness mark away. Let's try that again. Harry watched Thickness march away along the thickly carpeted corridor. The moment the Minister had passed out of sight, Harry tugged the invisibility cloak out from under his heavy black cloak, threw it over himself, and set off down the corridor in the opposite direction. Runcorn was so tall, Harry was forced to stoop to make sure that his feet were hidden. Panic pulsed in the pit of his stomach. As he passed gleaming wooden door after gleaming wooden door, each bearing a small plaque with the owner's name and occupation on it, the might of the ministry, its complexity, its impenetrability, seemed to force itself upon him, so that the plan he had carefully concocted with Ron and Hermione over the past few weeks seemed laughably childish. I screwed it up. I was trying to do it one-handed. In Discord, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. I'm trying to clean my glass, and I just stabbed myself in the eye. <clears throat> they had concentrated all their efforts on getting inside without being detected. They had not given a moment's thought to what they would do if they were forced to separate. Now Hermione was stuck in court proceedings, which would undoubtedly last hours. Ron was struggling to do magic that Harry was sure was beyond him, a woman's liberty possibly depending on the outcome. And he, Harry was wandering around in the top floor when he knew perfectly well that his quarry had just gone down in the lift. He stopped walking, leaned over a wall, leaned against the wall, and tried to decide what to do. The silence pressed upon him. There was no bustling or talk or swift footsteps here. The purple carpeted corridors were as hushed as though the muffliato charm had been cast over the place. Her office must be up here, Harry thought. It seemed most unlikely that Umbridge would keep her jewelry in her office, but on the other hand, it seemed foolish not to search it to make sure. He therefore set up off the corridor, set off up the corridor again, passing nobody but a frowning wizard who was murmuring instructions to a quill that floated behind him, scribbling on a trail of parchment. Now paying attention to the names on the doors, Harry turned a corner. Halfway along the next corridor, he emerged into a wide open space where a dozen witches and wizards sat in rows at small desks, not unlike school desks, though much more highly polished and free from graffiti. Harry paused to watch them, for the effect was quite mesmerizing. They were all waving and twiddling their wands in unison, and squares of colored paper were flying in every direction like little pink kites. After a few seconds, Harry realized there was a rhythm to the proceedings, and that the papers all formed the same pattern. After a few more seconds, he realized that he was watching the creation of pamphlets. That the paper squares were pages which, when assembled, folded, and magicked into place, fell into neat stacks beside each witch or wizard. 
Harry crept closer. Although the workers were so intent on what they were doing that he doubted they would notice a carpet-muffled footstep, and he slid a completed pamphlet from the pile beneath a young witch. He examined it beneath the invisibility cloak. Its pink cover was emblazoned with a golden title. Mudbloods and the dangers they pose to a peaceful, pure-blood society. Beneath the title was a picture of a red rose, with a simpering face in the middle of its petals, being strangled by a green weed with fangs and a scowl. There was no author's name upon the pamphlet, but again the scars on the back of his right hand seemed to tingle as he examined it. When the young witch beside him confirmed his suspicion, as she said, still waving and twirling her wand, "'Why, old hag be interrogating my bloods all day. Does anyone know?' "'Careful,' said the wizard beside her, glancing around nervously. One of his pages slipped and fell to the floor. "'Well, does she got magic ears as well as an eye now?' The witch glanced toward the shining mahogany door facing the space full of pamphlet-makers. Harry looked, too, and rage reared in him like a snake. Where there might have been a peephole on a muggle front door, a large, round eye with a bright blue iris had been set into the wood, an eye that was shockingly familiar to anyone who had known Alistair Moody. For a split second, Harry forgot where he was and what he was doing there. He even forgot that he was invisible. He strode straight over to the door to examine the eye. It was not moving. It gazed blindly upward, frozen. The plaque beneath it read, Dolores Umbridge, Senior Undersecretary to the Minister. Below that, a slightly shinier new plaque read, Head of the Muggleborn Registration Commission. Perry looked back at the dozen pamphlet makers. Though they were intent upon their work, he could hardly suppose that they would not notice if the door of an empty office opened in front of them. He therefore withdrew from an inner pocket an odd object with little waving legs and a rubber-bulbed horn for a body. Crouching down beneath the cloak, he placed the decoy detonator on the ground. It scuttled away at once through the legs of the witches and wizards in front of him. A few moments later, during which Harry waited with his hand upon the doorknob, there came a loud bang, and a great deal of acrid smoke billowed from a corner. The young witch in the front row shrieked. Pink pages flew everywhere as she and her companions jumped up, looking around for the source of the commotion. Harry turned the doorknob, stepping into Umbridge's office, and closed the door behind him. Hey, Kalani Panda, welcome to Scooter Patrol. He felt he had stepped back in time. The room was exactly like Umbridge's office at Hogwarts. Lace draperies, doilies, and dried flowers covered every available surface. The walls bore the same ornamental plates, each featuring a highly colored, beribboned kitten. Gambling and frisking with sickening cuteness, the desk was covered with a flouncy, co a flouncy flowered cloth. And thanks for the host, Kaluni Panda. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you very much. 
Behind Mad-Eye's eye, a telescoping attachment enabled Umbridge to spy on the workers on the other side of the door. Harry took a look through it and saw that they were still gathered around the decoy detonator. He wrenched the telescope out of the door, leaving a hole behind, pulled the magical eyeball out of it and placed it in his pocket. Then he turned to face the room again, raised his wand, and murmured, Accio Locket. Nothing happened, but he had not expected it to. No doubt, Umbridge knew all about protective charms and spells. He therefore hurried behind her desk and began pulling open the drawers. He saw quills and notebooks and spellotape, enchanted paper clips that coiled snake-like from their drawer and had to be beaten back, a fuzzy little lace box full of spare hair bows and clips, but no sign of a locket. There was a filing cabinet behind the desk. Harry had to search it. Like Filch's filing cabinets... Oh, Harry set to searching it, excuse me. Like Filch's filing cabinets at Hogwarts, it was full of folders, each labeled with a name. It was not until Harry reached the bottommost drawer that he saw something to distract him from his search. Mr. Weasley's file. He pulled it out and opened it. Arthur Weasley. Blood status. You know what? This will be better if I read it in Umbridge's voice, won't it? Arthur Weasley. Blood status. Pure blood, but with an unacceptable pro-muggle leaning. Known member of the Order of the Phoenix. Family. Wife. Pure blood. Seven children. Two youngest at Hogwarts. N.B. Youngest son currently at home. Seriously ill. Ministry inspectors have confirmed. Security status! Tracked. All movements are being monitored. Strong likelihood undesirable number one will contact. Has stayed with Weasley family previously. Undesirable number one. Harry muttered under his breath as he replaced Mr. Weasley's folder and shut the drawer. He had an idea he knew who that was, and sure enough, as he straightened up and glanced around the office for fresh hiding places, he saw a poster of himself on the wall, with the words, Undesirable Number One, emblazoned across his chest. A little pink note was stuck to it with a picture of a kitten on the corner. Harry moved across to read it, and saw that Umbridge had written, to be punished. Angrier than ever, he proceeded to grope in the bottom of the vases and the baskets of dried flowers, but was not at all surprised that the locket was not there. He gave the office one last sweeping look, and his heart skipped a beat. Dumbledore was staring at him from a small rectangular mirror. Propped up on a bookcase beside the desk, Harry crossed the room at a run and snatched it up, but realized the moment he touched it that it was not a mirror at all. Dumbledore was smiling wistfully out of the front cover of a glossy book. Harry had not immediately recognized the curly green writing across his hat. The life and lies of Albus Dumbledore, nor the slightly smaller writing across his chest. By Rita Skeeter best-selling author of Armando Dippet, Master or Moron. 
Harry opened the book at random and saw a full-page photograph of two teenage boys, both laughing immoderately with their arms around each other's shoulders. Dumbledore, now with elbow-length hair, had grown a wispy little beard that recalled the one on Crumb's chin that had so annoyed Ron. The boy who roared in silent amusement beside Dumbledore had a gleeful, wild look around him. His golden hair fell in curls to his shoulders. Harry wondered whether it was a young doge, but before he could check the caption, the door of the office opened. If Thickness had not been looking over his shoulder as he entered, Harry would not have had time to pull the invisibility cloak over himself. As it was, he thought Thickness might have caught a glimpse of movement, because for a moment or two he remained quite still, staring curiously at the place where Harry had just vanished. Perhaps deciding that all he had seen was Dumbledore scratching his nose on the front of the book, for Harry had hastily replaced it upon the shelf, Thickness finally walked to the desk and pointed his wand at the quill, standing ready in the ink pot. It sprang out and began scribbling a note to Umbridge. Very slowly, hardly daring to breathe, Harry backed out of the office into the open area beyond. The pamphlet makers were still clustered around the remains of the decoy detonator, which continued to hoot feebly as it smoked. Harry hurried up down the corridor. What? Harry hurried off up the corridor as the young witch said, I bet he sneaked in here from experimental charms. They're so careless. You remember that poisonous duck? It's called a platypus. Speeding back toward the lifts, Harry reviewed his options. It had never been likely that the locket was here at the Ministry, and there was no hope of bewitching its whereabouts out of umbrage while she was sitting in a crowded court. Their priority now had to be to leave the Ministry before they were exposed, and try again another day. The first thing to do was to find Ron. Then they could work out a way of extracting Hermione from the courtroom. The lift was empty when it arrived. Harry jumped in and pulled off the invisibility cloak as it started its descent. To his enormous relief, when it rattled to a halt at level two, a soaking wet and wide-eyed Ron got in. Um, morning, he stammered to Harry as the lift set off again. Ron, it's me, Harry. Harry, blimey, I forgot what you looked like. Why isn't Hermione with you? She had to go down to the courtrooms with Umbridge. She couldn't refuse. And, but before Harry could finish what the, but before Harry could finish, the lift had stopped again. The doors opened and Mr. Weasley walked inside, talking to an elderly witch whose blonde hair was teased so high it resembled an ant hill. I quite understand what you're saying, Wakanda, but I'm afraid I cannot be party to. Mr. Weasley broke off. He had noticed Harry. It was very strange to have Mr. Weasley glare at him with such dislike. The lift doors closed, and the four of them trundled downward once more. Oh, hello, Reg, said Mr. Weasley, looking around for the sound of steadily dripping from Ron's robes. Isn't your wife in for questioning today? Uh, what, what's happened to you? Why are you so wet? Yeah, Yaxley's office is raining, 
said Ron. He addressed Mr. Weasley's shoulder, and Harry felt sure he was scared that his father might recognize him if they looked directly into each other's eyes. I couldn't stop it, so they sent me to get Bernie. Uh, Pillsworth, I think they said. Yeah, lots of offices have been raining lately, said Mr. Weasley. Did you try Meteorologink's Recanto? It works for Bletchley. Meteorologink's Recanto, whispered Ron. No, I didn't. Thanks, d- uh, d- uh, I mean, Arthur. The lift doors opened. The old witch with the anthill hair laughed, and Ron darted past her out of sight. Harry made to follow him, but found his way blocked. As Percy Weasley strode into the lift, his nose buried in some papers he was reading. Not until the doors had clanged shut again did Percy realize he was in a lift with his father. He glanced up saw Mr. Weasley, turned radish red, and left the lift the moment the doors opened again. For the second time, Harry tried to get out, but this time found his way blocked by Mr. Weasley's arm. A moment, Runcorn! The lift doors closed, and as they clanked down another floor, Mr. Weasley said, I hear that you laid information about Dirk Cresswell. Harry had the impression that Mr. Weasley's anger was no less because of the brush with Percy. He decided his best chance was to act stupid. Sorry, he said. Don't pretend, Runcorn, said Mr. Weasley fiercely. You tracked down the wizard who faked his family tree, didn't you? I... So what if I did? said Harry. So Dirk Cresswell is ten times the wizard that you are, said Mr. Weasley quietly, as the lift sank even lower. And if he survives Azkaban, you'll have to answer to him, not to mention his wife, his sons, his friends. Arthur, Harry interrupted, you know you're being tracked, don't you? Is that a threat, Runcorn? said Mr. Weasley loudly. No, said Harry. It's a fact. They're watching your every move. The lift doors opened. They had reached the atrium. Mr. Weasley gave Harry a scathing look and swept from the lift. Harry stood there, shaken. He wished he was impersonating somebody other than Runcorn, the lift doors clanged shut. <laughs> hey, Kaluni Panda, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm from the Midwestern United States. <laughs> So I, so I don't know why I put on a Midwestern voice, or a, a Southern voice for that. Yeah, I'm from the Midwestern U.S. I appreciate it. Harry pulled the invisibility cloak and put it back on. He would try to, extra he would try to extricate Hermione on his own while Ron was dealing with the reigning office. When the doors opened, he stepped out into a stone-lit passageway. Oh my god. You can tell when it gets late in the week, can't you? 
When the doors opened, he stepped out into a torch-lit stone passageway, quite different from the wood-paneled and carpeted corridor upstairs. As the lift rattled away again, Harry shivered slightly, looking toward the distant black door that marked the entrance to the Department of Mysteries. He set off. His destination, not the black door, but the doorway he remembered on the left-hand side, which opened into the flight of stairs down to the court chambers. His mind grappled with possibilities as he crept down them. He still had a couple of decoy detonators, but perhaps it would be better to simply knock on the courtroom door, enter as Runcorn, and ask for a quick word with Mafalda. Of course, he did not know whether Runcorn was sufficiently important to get away with this, and even if he managed it, Hermione's non-reappearance might trigger a search before they were clear of the Ministry. Lost in thought... He did not immediately register the unnatural chill that was creeping over him, as if he were descending into fog. It was becoming colder and colder with every step that he took, a cold that reached right down into his throat and tore at his lungs. And then he felt that stealing sense of despair, of hopelessness, filling him expanding inside him. Dementors, he thought. And as he reached the foot of the stairs and turned to his right, he saw a dreadful scene. The dark passage outside the courtrooms was packed with tall, black-hooded figures, their faces completely hidden, their ragged breathing the only sound in the place. The petrified Muggleborns brought in for questioning sat huddled and shivering on hard wooden benches. Most of them were hiding their faces in their hands, perhaps in an instinctive attempt to shield themselves from the Dementor's greedy mouths. Some were accompanied by families. Others sat alone. The Dementors were gliding up and down in front of them, and the cold and the hopelessness and the despair of the place laid themselves upon Harry like a curse. Fight it, he told himself, but he knew he could not conjure a Patronus here without revealing himself instantly. So he moved forward as silently as he could, and with every step he took steal, and with every step he took, numbness seemed to steal over his brain. But he was forcing himself to think of Hermione and Ron, who needed him. Moving through the towering black figures was terrifying. The eyeless faces hidden beneath their hoods turned as he passed, and he felt sure that they sensed him, sensed perhaps a human presence that still had some hope, some resilience. And then, abruptly and shockingly amid the frozen silence, one of the dungeon doors on the left hand of the corridor was flung open and screams echoed out of it. No, no, I'm half-blood, I'm half-blood, I tell you. My father was a wizard, he was. I, look him up. Archie Alderton, he's a well-known broomstick designer, look him up. I tell you, get your hands off me, get your hands off me. This is your final warning said Umbridge's soft voice, magnified magnificently so that it sounded clearly over the man's desperate screams. 
If you struggle, you will be subjected to the Dementor's kiss. The man's screams subsided, but dry sobs echoed through the corridor. Take him away, said Umbridge. Two Dementors appeared in the doorway of the courtroom, their rotting, scabbed hands clutching the upper arms of a wizard who appeared to be fainting. They glided away down the corridor with him, and the darkness that trailed behind them swallowed him from sight. Next, Mary Catamol, called Umbridge. A small woman stood up. She was trembling from head to foot. Her dark robe were plain. Her hair was smoothed back into a bun. Her face was completely bloodless. As she passed the Dementors, Harry saw her shudder. He did it instinctively, without any sort of plan, because he hated the sight of her walking alone into the dungeon. As the door began to swing closed, he slipped into the courtroom behind her. It was not the same room in which he had been interrogated for improper use of magic. This one was much smaller, though the ceiling was quite as high. It gave the claustrophobic sense of being stuck at the bottom of a deep well. Dusk I do not, so I'm going to need a voice for Mary Cattermull. There were more Dementors in here, casting their freezing aura all over the place. They stood like faceless sentinels in the corners farthest from the high, raised platform. Here, behind a balustrade, sat Umbridge, with Yaxley on one side of her, and Hermione, quite as white-faced as Mrs. Cattermull, on the other. At the foot of the platform, a bright silver, long-haired cat prowled up and down, up and down and Harry realized it was here to protect the prosecutors from the despair that emanated from the Dementors. That was for the accused to feel, not the accusers. Sit down, said Umbridge in her soft, silky voice. Mrs. Cattermole stumbled to the edge of the seat in the middle of the floor, beneath the raised platform. The moment she had sat down, chains clinked out of the arms of the chair and bound her there. "'You are Mary Elizabeth Cattermole?' asked Umbridge. Mrs. Cattermole gave a single shaky nod. "'Married to Reginald Cattermole of the Department of Magical Maintenance.' Mrs. Cattermull burst into tears. I don't, I don't know where he is. He was supposed to meet me here. Umbridge ignored her. Brother, nope. Mother to Maisie, Ellie, and Alfred Cattermull. Mrs. Cattermull sobbed harder than ever. They're frightened. They think that I might not come home. Spare us, spat Yaxley. The brats and mudbloods do not stir our sympathies. Mrs. Cattermole's sobs masked Harry's footsteps as he made his way carefully toward the steps that led up to the raised platform.
The moment he had passed the place where the Patronus cat patrolled, he felt the change in temperature. It was warm and comfortable here. The Patronus, he was sure, was Umbridge's. And it glowed brightly because she was so happy here, in her element, upholding the twisted laws she had helped to write. Slowly and very carefully, he edged his way along the platform behind Umbridge, taking a seat behind Yaxley and Hermione. He was worried about making Hermione jump. He thought of casting the Muffliato charm upon Yaxley and Umbridge, but even murmuring the word might cause Hermione alarm. Then Umbridge raised her voice to address Mrs. Cattermole, and Harry seized his chance. I'm behind you, he whispered into Hermione's ear. As he had expected, she jumped so violently she nearly overturned the bottle of ink with which she was supposed to be recording the interview. But both Umbridge and Yaxley were concentrating upon Mrs. Cattermole, and this went unnoticed. A wand was taken from you upon your arrival at the ministry today, Mrs. Cattermole. Umbridge was saying, Eight and three-quarter inches, cherry, unicorn hair core. Do you recognize that description? Mrs. Cattermole nodded, mopping her eyes on her sleeve. Could you please tell us from which witch or wizard you took that wand? Took, sobbed Mrs. Cattermole. I, I didn't take it from anybody. I, I, I bought it. When I was eleven years old, it... it chose me. She cried harder than ever. Umbridge laughed a soft, girlish laugh that made Harry want to attack her. She leaned forward over the barrier, the better to observe her victim. And something gold swung forward, too, and dangled over the void. The locket. Hermione had seen it. She let out a little squeak, but Umbridge and Yaxley, still intent upon their prey, were deaf to everything else. No, said Umbridge. No, I don't think so, Mrs. Catamole. Wands only choose witches or wizards. You are not a witch. I have your responses to the questionnaire that was sent here. My father them to me. Umbridge held out a small hand. She was so toad-like that the moment Harry was sh quite surprised not to see webs between her stubby fingers. Hermione's hands were shaking with shock. She fumbled in a pile of documents balanced on a chair beside her, finally withdrawing a sheaf of parchment with Mrs. Cattermole's name on it. That's... That's pretty, Dolores, she said, pointing at the pendant gleaming in the ruffled folds of Umbridge's blouse. What? snapped Umbridge, glancing down. Oh, uh, yes, an old family heirloom, she said, patting the locket between her large bosom. Patting the locket lying on her large bosom. The S stands for Selwyn. I am related to the Selwyns. Indeed, there are few pure-blood families to which I am not related. A pity, she continued in a louder voice, flicking through Mrs. Cattermole's questionnaire, that the same cannot be said for you. Parents' professions, greengrocers. 
Yaxley laughed jeeringly. Below, the fluffy silver cat patrolled up and down, and the Dementors stood waiting in the corners. It was Umbridge's lie that had brought the blood surging back into Harry's brain and obliterated his sense of caution. That the locket she had taken as a bribe from a petty criminal was being used to bolster her own pure-blood credentials. He raised his wand, not even doubling, not even troubling to keep it concealed beneath the invisibility cloak, and said, Stupefy! There was a flash of red light. Umbridge crumpled with her forehead hitting the edge of the balustrade. Mrs. Cattermole's papers slid off her lap onto the floor, and down below the prowling silver cat vanished. Ice-cold air hit them like an oncoming wind. Yaxley, confused, looked around for the source of the trouble and saw Harry's disembodied hand and wand pointing at him. He tried to draw his own wand, but too late. Stupefy! Yaxley slid to the ground and lied curled on the floor. Harry? Hermione, if you think I was going to sit here and let her pretend... Harry, Mrs. Catamole! Harry whirled around, throwing off the invisibility cloak. Down below, the Dementors had moved out of their corners. They were gliding toward the woman chained to the chair. Whether because the Patronus had vanished or because they sensed that their masters were no longer in control, they seemed to have abandoned restraint. Mrs. Catamole let out a terrible scream of fury as a slimy, scabbed hand grasped her chin and forced her face back. Expecto Patronum! The silver stag soared from the tip of Harry's wand and leapt toward the Dementors, which fell back and melted into the dark shadows again. The stag's light, more powerful and more warming than the cat's protection, filled the whole dungeon as it cantered around and around the room. Get the Horcrux, Harry told Hermione. He ran back down the steps, stuffing the invisibility cloak back into his bag, and approached Mrs. Cattermole. You, she whispered, gazing into his face. But, but, Reg said that you were the one who submitted my name for questioning. Did I? muttered Harry, tugging at the chains binding her arms. Well, I've had a change of heart. Defendo. Nothing happened. Hermione, how do I get rid of these chains? Wait, I'm trying something up here. Hermione, we're surrounded by Dementors. I know that, Harry, but if she wakes up and the locket's gone, I need to replace it. Jiminio, there, that should fool her. Hermione came rushing downstairs. Let's see, Relascio? The chains clinked and withdrew from the arms of the chair. Mrs. Cattermole looked just as frightened as ever before. I, I don't understand. You're going to leave here with us, said Harry, pulling her to her feet. Go home, grab your children, and get out. Get out of the country if you've got to. Disguise yourselves and run. You've seen how it is. You won't get anything like a fair hearing here. Harry, said Hermione, how are we going to get out of here with all of these Patronuses, all these Dementors outside the door? Patronuses, said Harry, pointing his wand at his own Patronus. The stag slowed and walked, still gleaming brightly toward the door. As many as we can muster, 
do yours, Hermione. Expecto, expecto patronum, said Hermione. Nothing happened. It's the only spell she ever has trouble with, Harry told a completely bemused Mrs. Cattermall. Bit unfortunate, really. Come on, Hermione. Expecto patronum. A silver otter burst from the end of Hermione's wand and swam gleefully through the air to join the stag. Come on, said Harry, and he led Hermione and Mrs. Cattermole to the door. When the Patronuses glided out of the dungeon, there were cries of shock from the people waiting outside. Harry looked around. The Dementors were falling back on both sides of him, melding into the darkness, scattering before the silver creatures. It's been decided you should all go home and go into hiding with your families. Harry told the waiting Muggleborns, who were dazzled by the lights of the Patronuses still cowering slightly. Go abroad if you can. Just get well away from the Ministry. That's the, uh, new official position. Now, if you'll just follow the Patronuses, you'll be able to leave from the atrium. They managed to get up the stone steps without being intercepted. But as they approached the lifts, Harry started to have misgivings. If they emerged into the atrium with a silver stag, an otter soaring alongside it, and twenty or so people, half of them accused Muggleborns, he could not help feeling that they would attract unwanted attention. He had just reached this unwelcome conclusion when the lift clanged to a halt in front of them. Reg! screamed Mrs. Cattermole, and she threw herself into Ron's arms. Brancorn let me out. He attacked Umbridge and Yexley, and he's told all of us to leave the country. I think we'd better do it, Reg. I really do. Let's hurry and go home and fetch the children. And why are you so wet? Uh, water, muttered Ron, disengaging himself. Harry, they know that there are intruders inside the ministry. Something about a hole in Umbridge's office door. I reckon we've got about five minutes, if that. Hermione's Patronus vanished with a pop as she turned a horror-struck face to Harry. Harry, if we are trapped here... We won't be if we move fast, said Harry. He addressed the silent group behind him, who were all still gawping at him. Who's got wands? About half of them raised their hands. Okay, all of you who haven't got wands need to attach yourself to somebody who has. We'll need to be fast before they stop us. Come on. They managed to cram themselves into two lifts. Harry's Patronus stood sentinel before the Golden Gates as they shut the lifts and they began to rise. Level eight, said the witch's cool voice. Atrium. Harry knew at once that they were in trouble. The atrium was full of people moving from fireplace to fireplace sealing them off. Hurry! squeaked Hermione. What are we going to... Stop! Harry thundered, and the powerful voice of Runcorn echoed through the atrium. The wizards sealing the fireplaces froze. Follow me, he whispered to the group of terrified Muggleborns who moved forward in a huddle, shepherded by Ron and Hermione. What's up, Albert? 
said the same balding wizard who had followed Harry out of the fireplace earlier. He looked nervous. "'This lot need to leave before you seal up the exits,' said Harry, with all the authority that he could muster. The group of wizards in front of him looked at one another. "'We've been told to seal up all the exits and not let anyone—' "'Are you contradicting me?' Harry blustered. "'Would you like me to have your family tree examined, like I had Dirk Cresswell's?' Uh, "'Sorry,' gasped the balding wizard, backing away. "'I didn't mean nothing, Albert, but I thought that—I I th I thought they were in for questioning, and—' "'Their blood is pure,' said Harry, and his deep voice echoed impressively through the hall. "'Purer than many of yours, I dare say. Off you go.' He boomed to the Muggleborns, who scurried forward into the fireplaces and began to vanish in pairs. The Ministry wizards hung back, some looking confused, others scared and resentful. Then... Mary! Mrs. Cattermole looked over her shoulder. The real Reg Cattermole, no longer vomiting but pale and wan, had just come running out of a lift. Reg... She looked from her husband to Ron, who swore loudly. The balding wizard gaped, and then his head turned incredulously from one reg catamole to the other. Hey, what's going on? What's this? Seal the exit! Seal it! Yaxley had burst out of another entrance and was running toward the group beside the fireplaces, into which all of the Muggleborns but Mrs. Catamole had now vanished. As the balding wizard lifted his wand, Harry raised an enormous fist and punched him, sending him flying through the air. "'He's been helping Muggleborns escape, Yaxley!' Harry shouted. The balding wizard's colleagues set up an uproar, under cover of which Ron grabbed Mrs. Cattermole, pulled her to a still-open fireplace, and disappeared. Confused, Yaxley looked from Harry to the punched wizard, while the real Reg Cattermole screamed, "'My wife!' Who is that with my wife? What's going on? Harry saw Yaxley's head turn, saw an inkling of the truth drawn on his brutish face. Come on! Harry shouted at Hermione. He seized her hand and they jumped into the fireplace together as Yaxley's curse sailed over Harry's head. They spun for a few seconds before shooting up out of the toilet into a cubicle. Harry flung open the door. Ron was standing there beside the sinks, still wrestling with Mrs. Cattermole. Reg, I don't understand. Let go, I'm not your husband. You've got to go home. There was a noise in the cubicle behind them. Harry looked around. Yaxley had just appeared. Let's go! Harry yelled. He seized Hermione by the hand and Ron by the arm and turned on the spot. Darkness engulfed them, along with a sensation of compressing bands. But something was wrong. Hermione's hand seemed to be sliding out of his grip. He wondered whether he was going to suffocate. He could not breathe or see, and the only things in the world were Ron's arm and Hermione's fingers, which were slowly slipping away. And then he saw the door of number 12, Grimald Place, with its serpent door knocker. But before he could draw breath, there was a scream and a flash of purple light. Hermione's hand was suddenly vice-like upon his, and everything went dark again.
that's the end of our chapter, folks. I'm seeing that there's a bit of confusion. So first of all, um, uh, thank you for uh, clearing things up in their kit kit cloud kicker. Um, I appreciate it. Yes, indeed. I, I, I realized there was some confusion as to why, why were their voices different? They're in different bodies. I know I've done it before. I did it earlier on where they were, where the, the voices belonged to the people that they were, not the people they were impersonating. Uh, but I figure it's more fun if I get to do a few more voices, right? <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. <laughs> I know, Lisa. I know gems. I know how y'all feel. Um, there was apparently some other point of uh, confusion. I saw, let's see. So I think it was Shotzi says, doesn't understand the slides closer to gems. What are we talking about there? Just that, like the, the anime distinction? Or was it something about what was being read? Because maybe I can help on this side. If it's about anime sort of uh, doctrine, no clue. <laughs> I've seen a couple that I enjoy, but I, I, I can't enter a, a conversation with any sort of authority. Kaluni Panda, thank you very much for being here. I love having new folks in. You're very welcome for the reading. We are back here every Thursday. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know what this is, hi, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and specifically, this is Thursday night, which means this is Flying Sidecar, um, which makes this a voice actor's venture through some books that we all love. Um, on I, I stream Tuesdays through Fridays. On Tuesdays, I've got Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on classic lit. And uh, right now we are working through Frankenstein. That's at noon Pacific time. At 2 p.m. Pacific time, we play some games, typically some story-based something or other. Uh, either that or just something that Tuna and I like goofing about. On Wednesdays, we have got Chat Plays Dungeon World, which is precisely what it sounds like. Uh, Dungeon World is a game a lot like D&D, &D, uh, and it is a campaign that I am running in that for chat. You get to join one of our teams, and if you want to get it on the ground floor of that, folks, get in there. I, I want to see you on Friday because we are building a new character from scratch, which means if you want to be there for character building, if you want to have your, if you want to have your votes on what class they play, what are their, what do they look like? What are their, what's their history like? What kind of moves do they have? Come back tomorrow at noon Pacific time. We're going to be building a whole new character. Um, and if you want some background on that, if you're just wondering, you know what, what's this sidecar stories stuff about? What is this? What is chat plays dungeon world? Sidecar stories dot fandom dot com. You can go there and find all of the information on our campaign as we have been running it. Um, I, it some parts of it definitely need some filling out, but you can definitely consult the uh, adventure so far. And finally, tomorrow, um, as per usual, I will be back uh, at 2 p.m. and we are going to be playing something. I am not quite sure yet. Tuna is trying to <laughs> Tuna is trying to coerce me into something. And of course, folks, that's my schedule, which means you know what time it is. It's time for the bad beans. What are those? What are those? Those dogs? It's just they're just like bad, um, like espresso beans or something. Demetra Slayer, thanks very much for being here. Anyone who's heading out, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for sticking around for the schedule. Thank you for being here with me through all the various changes that we've all experienced together. Um, and uh, to Memnite and everyone who has helped me brew the cauldron of beans tonight. I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Memnite and uh, Shotzi. I think y'all have been uh, some of the headliners, but uh, I appreciate you all who have been generous and, uh, you know, help to support the channel. Miss Frizzle says, we need a Sam Foley sound effect for the cut to the bean screen. Uh, I can actually do that. What do we need? We need like, like a burbling noise, like, like a, like a cauldron bubbling. That might work. 
what is, is it panda is that just a banana <laughs> i can't tell what it is it, it seems like it might be like a, a greenish sun eclipsed somehow <laughs> then i just dropping bits in bits 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 uh folks i appreciate you all brewing the beans basin and uh now it's time for some bad beans which means i'm going to eat some bad beans and to do so i'm going to need an assistant I'm going to go fetch her now. I'll be right back. All right, the Bean Queen is inbound. Folks, this is a little tradition we've got here at Sidecar Stories. Uh, started a while ago. Um, we have got some Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans, and I am going to do a blind taste test of some of them and see if I can, get, see if I can guess what the heck beans I'm eating. Now, we have, very unfortunately for me, added some really heinous ones into the mix. Uh, we have got new spicy beans, which are which we've added to a big batch of good beans. Um, so it could be any one of, I think it's 36 good flavors, or um, we've got a mix of some bad flavors, sort of mixed in over time. We've made kind of a perpetual stew of bad beans flavors. Ooh, look at the pot. It's real full, folks. <laughs> it's real full. Um, and uh, I go ahead and do a sampling of five beans plus... If any of y'all have promoted the show on social media, I, I typically look at uh, Instagram or Twitter. Anyone who has shared the my my uh, uh, my username and my hashtag HP Out Loud, I can go ahead and uh... <laughs> hey Memnite. Oh, that's gonna be a big one. <laughs> Here it goes, folks. I think we're about to boil over. Yep, there it is, straight to the bottom. <laughs> you have boiled over the bean cauldron. Thank you, Memnite. I appreciate it. <laughs> Which, what am I looking at there? What is that fiery face? Swift Rage. Yeah, that's going to be me in about 10 minutes or so here while I try to eat these very spicy beans. Because those are the new those are the new bad beans we've got in there. We've got Jalapeno. Um, there's Habanero. There's even a Carolina Reaper bean. And I, I will tell you, I had the Sriracha one. I think that one roughly matched up with if I had just taken a tiny shot of a bean's worth of Sriracha. 
The jalapeno one was hotter than any jalapeno I've ever eaten. So if we get to this ghost pepper one, I'm going to say if we if I get a ghost pepper one, that's going to be it for the night. I think I think if I get nuked by a ghost pepper, that is the last bean I'm doing that night. I think I think I deserve a break after that kind of thing. After that sort of jarring instant. Um uh, not tonight. I think we'll hold those off for probably next time. Um but I had forgotten which pocket they were in in my backpack, so I found them. Uh, Miss Frizzle, I actually get to decide how beans work, you sycophant, you maniac. Uh, you have, your, your power has gone to your head, I know, and I simply will not allow you to impose your own rules upon me. I make my own rules. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, now, who shared stuff about the thing? So, first of all... We've got one, I believe we do. So first of all, we've got Out of Yarn on Instagram. Out of Yarn uh, has been a constant uh, voice for the show. So Out of Yarn, I want to say thank you very much. We're going to do the first bean for you today, I think. How's that sound? Is she here? Is he um, okay? I apologize for assuming your gender. I'm going to assume that Out of Yarn, because uh, Out of Yarn is a very like yarn-focused, a very, like, um, I'm going to goof it up. It's either knitting or crochet. I don't know which. I don't know what the difference is. Um, but a very yarn-focused Instagram account. So I'm going to guess if they are here, they're here by a different name, or they are, you know, they're on YouTube and they watch the vods and not the live shows. But out of yarn, if you're here, let me know, and I will, I will abide by what you choose. Yeah, let us know for sure. <laughs> Memnite blowing the beans over again, and now I don't, who are we looking at now? Who this? Hey guys. <laughs> okay. Um, no, yeah, straight up, I don't, I don't know the difference at all. Oh, it's a matter of how many needles there are. Interesting. Shotzi says crochet is one needle, knitting is two needles. I like that. Shotzi tops it off and then <laughs> Memnite just chucks a big grenade in there. Okay. Uh, so our first one today, out of yarn. Thank you very much. Right. Thanks for talking about the show. And don't, f wait, hold on. Let me see if this works. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Gonna it's going to be dumb. It's not a chance. <laughs> doesn't work at all. <laughs> <sighs> I was I was hoping I could be Jordy because unfortunately it makes it very difficult to slide my hat up and just down. Use it to like push your hat down. So oh, just like bring the whole. Th good lord. Yeah. yeah, this is good. This works. Keep going. Perfect. I it hurts my glasses if it's down crushing onto my nose like that. This will this will sufficiently um, block my view. If you tap me on the nose, I'll close my eyes so I don't see it on the way in. Um, but folks, I've already rolled through my my uh, my schedule for the week. Thank you very much for being with me here today. Um, so instead instead of doing schedule, I just want to see... Why don't, I'm just going to let y'all ask me questions. We've already done the schedule. I streamed Tuesday through Friday. That's it. Um, ask me questions and I'll answer the best I can while I eat these bad, bad beans. Out of Yarnest Crochet. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much. So that's on Instagram. Thank you very much, Out of Yarn. Witch Hazel, have a good one. We'll miss you. Have a good night. I'll probably see you next week, I assume. Jordi LaForge. Yeah, I knew it was Jordi, but I couldn't remember the last name, Shotzi. Let's see. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Tuna, let's talk about tomorrow's game stream. I want to hear about that right now. Um, oh, and I remember I've got my announcement as well. So, folks, here's my big announcement. Um, I'm going to be doing a formal one. I'm going to put a video up on YouTube and everything, but... I'm going to give y'all at the live shows sort of the inside scoop. Y'all are the first line of my notifications. 
here's the announcement for those of you who caught the AMA. There was a bit of a mysterious, uh, a, a little bit of a reveal at the end there. Here's what we're talking about. There is a fantastic, I'm talking truly mind-blowing Minecraft mod for Harry Potter. Now, it's not even fully a mod. They've just done some amazing things with commands and such, but they have done such an incredible job. And, yep, Jem says Sam is going to Hogwarts. And you know what? It was my birthday, and I figured what better time to get a letter sending me off to Hogwarts. So that is going to begin in October. Uh, I plan to have uh, a pretty interesting kind of October schedule. Um, I will be posting that very soon, um, within the next week, and I am very much looking forward to hanging out with y'all. So, uh, if you want to see what it's like to see Minecraft um, Harry Potter, because they have hit just about every single major location and done a stunning job with the detail and everything, um, my plan is to uh, play the entirety of that game. So we're starting a series about that. I am looking forward to it very much. But I've got my letter. That is what that um, that's what that announcement was about, and it starts in October. I look forward to seeing you all there. October is going to be a big month for us. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, okay, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, we had an AMA. My other AMA. Do you agree with the importance of a towel? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Um, I do. I think, but I definitely don't carry one on me. I can't remember what that's from either. I feel like it's a reference to something, right? Um, I want to say it's like Ron Swanson or somebody. But what bean is this? There was a little bit of coffee flavor, but more like like sort of caramel coffee, kind of a very Starbucksy, like very sweet kind of thing. Um, it wasn't bitter enough for me to think it's like fully a latte, but I can't think of a better option. So I'm going to go with latte or frappe or something, some kind of like coffee drink. All right, well, every time you Hot eat coffee this drink. one, you describe it as something different. Uh, the mystery bean. It's orange sherbet. It's orange sherbet? I don't think it is. Well. That one was not very sherbet-y. Typically, I get orange or sherbet or very, some sort of like orange orange, orange creamsicle, but. Um, I know, that's why you lost your mind. I'm telling you, this batch of beans was not well colored. I think, uh, I think they're faking me out on some of these. Orange. Orange. I can I can see colors, yeah. I see that that's orange. That's the bean I put in your mouth. I'm gonna start making you taste half of these so that I you know that it's insane totally compared fine. to compared to like what they're supposed to be. I don't think they're I don't think they're properly labeled. All right. I bet orange coffee wouldn't be terrible. I know orange chocolate's a great combination. I wonder if orange coffee's any good. Y'all, let me know. You you real you real coffee nerds out there, you'll have to let me know. Okay. Shoop. Next bean. Um, this is going to be one of our one of our standard five. Uh, and actually, go ahead and get that put together. I'm going to have to look on Twitter because I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. This is one of your standard five. Lisa Hall has dropped one. Yeah, this is going to be just our one of our the, the first of our standard five here. Um. Uh, and actually, our crat's getting one too. Ah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, here we go. And this one, this is not Lisa Hall's bean because Lisa Hall insists we only get good beans for yours specifically. So we're gonna, we are going to respect that. All right, here we go. It's a spicy one. I'm nervous. <laughs> All right, here it goes. What is that? B day. Here we go. <laughs> 
Memnite, send it in the big ones. Send in the big guns. You continue to be the uh, the conductor of the Hogwarts Express. All right, let's see. I don't think it's a bad one. I think we're in good shape here. There we go. Okay, now this one is like, it's one of the softer fruits. Peach, maybe? Maybe mango? I'm gonna go with... I think it's peach. Um, and it's got a pretty, pretty... I, my favorite form of mango is dried mango. I could eat that stuff all day. Yeah, it's more expensive than it should be. But, um... Hmm. Iroh asks, how long have you been doing this? Um, are you talking about, like, how long have I been doing sidecar stories, or how long have I been doing the bad beans? Or how long has he been streaming tonight? <laughs> that math is pretty easy, but... Uh, if you're wondering how long I have been doing sidecar stories, um, this is... I'm in the... I'm in year two. I've been doing it for two years in, uh, as of the end of January of this, of, uh, 2021, I will be, have been doing it three years. So coming up on three years. Dried mango is crazy good. I'm gonna go with, it's, it's either mango or peach. I'm gonna go with, mm, mango. I'm gonna go with mango. Is it mango? Final answer. Yes! I wish they made the mango bean look Nailed more it. like mango. It's like. Is it brown or something? Green and yellow. Green and yellow? It's, it's like a, the outside of a mango. Mm. There's more red. I don't know. I don't know. Ever had a champagne mango? I have not. Make that happen right now. Is that a is that a cocktail or is that a a um, I almost said a brand or but like a variation of mango? Although nowadays, very well could be a brand. Um, okay, this one, this one's for Lisa Hall, so it's got to come from the good bin. Okay. Um, Lisa, specifically with a, uh, <laughs> I just love that username, Lisa Hall for the sidecar, um, specifically with a happy birthday tweet. So I want to say thank you very much, Lisa. Let's get that good bean. This one's for you, Lisa Hall. Thank you very much for being here. And uh, thanks for being here for such a long time. I want to thank all you folks who have been here for a while and uh, been with me through thick and thin, came from the YouTube days through Mixer, through our Mixer interlude. Uh-oh. There we go. All right. And Lisa, thank you. Oh. Although I'm realizing right now, as of biting into it, definitely should have waited until it, I could use it immediately after a bad bean to sort of cleanse my palate. Not happening. Okay, let's see. Whoa. Um, it's very cherry, but it tastes like um, sort of that like cherry almond kind of flavor uh, that you get in like a scone or something. Or a scone. So I'm gonna go with either cherry. I mean, I don't think it'll just be almond. So okay, I'm gonna go with cherry. It's gonna be cherry or something more complex with cherries in it. So like Dr Pepper. Dr Pepper. Not much of a bite to it. I can see it though. This one I won't fight you on. You can't fight me on any of them. No, I can. I will. I will. <laughs> but I won't with this one. Hogwarts hippie says, Sam, what's the best way to get a story to you? Um, possibly for you to read. Uh, email would be a good one. Yeah, definitely. Or if you've got, you know, if you've posted it somewhere, um, you could put like a link in the Discord or something. But yeah, if you just want to send it straight to me, email's a fantastic way to do it. Absolutely. Oh, Kaluni Panda, do I ever have a YouTube? Um, I do indeed. Uh, it is by the same name. Uh, it is, I mean, I think the, the technically the link is youtube.com uh, slash C slash sidecar stories, but 
I'm Sidecar Stories over on YouTube as well. And you can find the back episodes there. I don't post everything, but I do post all of the reading stuff there. So, uh, go ahead and check out the back episodes there. Um, Lisa Hall, thank you very much. Do I have any idea what this was? Not particularly, um, but it sounds like it was a, uh, sounds like it was Dr. Pepper. I did my best. It wasn't cherry. thought it was cherry. I hoped. you already guessed. Yes. <laughs> I thought it, I thought so. All, All right. right. This next one is for Arkrat. A-R underscore Krat. And I don't believe... Uh, C-R-A-T. I don't believe Arkrat is in tonight, nor do I think we're going to be raiding later because I don't think he's streaming right now. I think it is much past his bedtime. But uh, if you're looking for another person who enjoys reading, uh, specifically if you're interested in somebody who is going through Count of Monte Cristo or... Um, we're <laughs> gonna duke it out uh, either Count of Monte Cristo or um, Harry Potter not Harry Potter good lord Sherlock Holmes Arkrat is reading those Arkrat is um, a great reader who cultivates a much more sort of calm uh, presence than I do and so if you're looking for something that's you know really good to fall asleep to that's a good one um, and uh, hey Taz thank you very much I appreciate it I appreciate it a ton I think you're gonna <laughs> I think you're going to blow up the bin. Let's see it. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Cauldron boils over. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, and, of course, Shotzi and uh, Memnite for just, just beep, 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 Throwing in the little substrate there. Um, yeah, I appreciate you all very much. Uh, now, who's next? Do I do one? I think I think we said this was Arkrat's one. So, Arkrat, thank you very much. Um uh, if you're wondering why my channel seems to be active, and then you come here and it's not me online, you are probably looking at Arkrat, because he's on my auto-host list right now. Uh, so Arkrat, thank you very much. He's another reader. Go check him out, uh, especially if you like things a little calmer than we keep things here at Sidecar Stories. Alright, I bit this one in half. <laughs> to be sure that we would know? Alright, let's see. Ooh. Tell me it's another spicy one. Oh, I was going to be so excited because I can take the heat. I can take the heat. Okay. See, this one at least tastes somewhat citrusy. Um, this one's reasonably citrusy, but it's not like an orange flavor. It's like an orange soda flavor, if anything. It's not quite... It's not quite there. <laughs> Hogwarts Tippy says, Arkrad's really good, and he does voices, but there's only one Sam. Um, I've I've heard him do... Uh, I've definitely heard him do some voices. Uh, Mem Knight. Duna! Hey, but you already got me the headphones. What are you doing? You don't need to throw in anything extra. I already appreciate you very, very much. What are those weird little heads that are popping out there? What is this one? Is it wearing like uh, one of those? Oh, it's this. It's this right here. Not, not like this. <laughs> yeah, Hogwarts. Hogwarts Hippie says he doesn't do quite a, as the same range of voices as Sam. And I would say that's kind of what I'm going for. I'm going for like I want this to be as theatrical as possible. Um, let's see. It's a good question. What is my guess? I'm gonna say. I mean, it's it's I, I, orange soda. I gotta go orange soda. Even though I'm sure it's one of those like sorbet or something. All right, y'all. Just to prove he's insane, it's wild blackberry. And that one, honestly, I don't, I wouldn't know what wild blackberry tastes like, so. Not citrusy. I won't argue about that one. Won't argue about that one. Nothing about that bean was citrus. <laughs> yeah, it had, it had the sort of acidity to it with the sweetness. 
Mission here, see? <laughs> All right. Um, Emma Shea, I hope you have a great night. Thanks for coming in. We shall miss you. Um, okay, so I think we got we got Arkrat, we got Lisa Hall, and I think that is... I think that's it. Okay, so we did one of your regular ones. Close your eyes. Indeed. Oops, can't just do that. All right, our next regular one. Uh, meanwhile, uh, go ahead and mini AMA, ready, go. <laughs> um, if you got anything you want to talk about. about the beans in the chat, because he's going to be looking at it. I felt it. I felt it almost fall. I, I caught it. Let's see. You watched your eyes fly open, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no bad beans yet, doesn't seem like. Mm, this one's not my favorite, but. Citrusy. It's not citrusy. This one's weird. It's like, hmm. There's, it's something Christmassy. What is this? It's like a cranberry marshmallow. It's something very strange. I think it's a combination of flavors because there's definitely like two distinct. One of them is a very soft kind of marshmallowy sort of thing, and the other one is a little fruity. I'm not sure. But something says Christmas. Why is this saying Christmas to me? That's why I pulled cranberry. I don't know what this is. <laughs> is cranberry marshmallow a flavor? No, it's, no, it's, no, not. it's not. I'm just trying to like pull out whatever descriptors I can to help y'all taste this with me. Something is just, something is whispering like, you know this, it's from Christmas. It's banana. This is a Christmas flavor. I mean... It kind of could be banana. Maybe like Bananas Foster or something. Um, great. Now you got me goofing. Like, is that is that mild flavor, not marshmallow, but banana instead? I don't think it is. I'm going to go with... Dang it. I don't know what this is, but it's telling me Christmas. Why is this a Christmas flavor? Cranberry marshmallow. I'm Look, I got to chuck every once in a while, so I'm just going to go ahead and roll down the car window. And I'm going to chuck this one right off there on the side of the road. Strawberry daiquiri. I wasn't getting that at all. Cranberry marshmallow. Cranberry marshmallow, strawberry daiquiri. See, now I'll bet cranberry marshmallow would be a great combination. Yeah, I, I let it auto scroll. Why? Because it doesn't need to be right now. Um, so I don't have to touch it. <laughs> Teen Bean, thank you very much for coming in. <laughs> god of the voices. I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, I'm everybody's god brother, god of voices. Um,. Uh, De oh, Deus Vox. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Add it to the food truck list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cran cranberry marshmallows on a stick. <laughs> Tiny cranberries, one by one. You get it. It's like some. It's a weird sort of Christmas tree pretty structure, pretty. with it's one sort of dowel with big marshmallows on it, with kebab sticks going off into regular sized marshmallows, with toothpicks going off into cranberries. <laughs> wow. It's going to be a production. Oh, it's a I real thing. I mean, it's not a real thing, but soon, maybe. Mem Knight, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Keeping it, keeping the cauldron bubbling. We're going to have this, this Polyjuice Potion whipped up in no time. All right. Next bean. Uh, meanwhile, Tuna, if you want to tell us, do you want to tell us about your plans for, uh, for Boot and Scoot tomorrow? It's not going to be quite Boot and Scoot. That sort of implies we're going to be doing something very fast-paced or something, but... 
I think it could still fairly be called Boot and Scoop. It's just going to be, we're going to be playing some games. We're going to be playing something after we have created our next uh, PC for Dungeon World, which, like I said, y'all got to get in there. Y'all got to get in there. It's such a fun campaign. I'm, I think I'm more proud of the world, but there's a spicy bean. There's a spicy bean. I don't want to, I don't want to write into it. Oh, it's bad on the bottom of my tongue. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Why can't I taste that spicy on the bottom of my tongue? Is that a thing? Has that always you been a thing? it in there and it went under your tongue. But I can taste that it's spicy on the bottom of my tongue. Is that typically a thing? When it touches the bottom of your tongue, yes. Uh, tuna, indeed, as I bite into this very spicy bean, Tuna is going to be walking me through building a car. We're going to play My Summer Car. Oh, come on. This isn't just a spicy one. This is maybe habanero, maybe jalapeno, maybe Carolina Reaper. I'm not dead, so I don't think it's Carolina Reaper. Do you want to read the other two, too? <coughs> three out of five. I give the hiccups immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, It's too, like, it's too harsh to be jalapeno, I think. I'm going to go with habanero. Um... What are the other two spices that I haven't listed yet? Sriracha and cayenne. Sriracha mm, might be cayenne. It doesn't feel warm enough to be cayenne, so I'm going to go with habanero pepper. It's jalapeno. Is it jalapeno? Yep. Which is the only reason I felt Dang it. fine giving it to you. <laughs> be careful with that God voice. Yeah, I will do my best. Oh, yeah, what if this, what if this took away my gift? <laughs> what is that? So we're at one out of six. We have three extras, so we're at six. We're, we've done three of the regular ones, so we need two more. Bam. Math. Let's do it. And folks, I have been running some test drives on um, <laughs> on Percy Jackson because that is going to be our next series once we are done with Harry Potter here. We are sorting out the voices, y'all. We're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best, for sure. Uh, if you all have suggestions for uh, voices, for casting, give me your ultimate casting of of uh, the Percy Jackson series uh, because I'm going to need voices that I can try to emulate for that series and I want I need like to start with I need main character folks I'm even struggling with Percy Jackson himself like we need a good Percy Jackson voice because of course we're gonna be hearing a lot of him fortunately that's intended to be terrible but uh, yeah I think my Grover's okay for what it needs to be like Dr. Brunner or uh, Mr. Brunner Honestly, I like both of the teachers so far. Danny Phantom says uh, Danny Nitfa. Alright, let's see. Danisha says, I don't think you should try the Carolina Reaper. It sounds like not a fun idea. Well, it is mixed up in here with uh, the rest of our beans cauldron, so I'm not going to know when it's on its way. Um, let me see. It's hard to tell because I've still got like the whole left side of my tongue is just burning. I tried to sort of quarantine it into the left side of my mouth, but uh, Keanu Reeves says Lisa Hall. <laughs> That's not a bad one. Nick Cage. Just keep in mind it's was oh. <laughs> I could probably do like a, a not a good but an entertaining Nicolas Cage. Where's the treasure? <laughs> do not seek <laughs> the treasure. It's bushwhack. Janet Cage. Um, okay. 
I don't know. It's just overpowered by spiciness. I can't taste anything on the left side of my mouth. Oh, here. Get all the flavors over there. Just get the, the get the flavors over to the right side of my mouth. Petition Bean Queen to do voices. Um. No. <laughs> all right, she's not into it. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Whoever plays Percy Jackson's mom. Yeah, what is it, Sally? In. What? Whoever plays Percy the Jackson's mom's mom in the movie is who's going to play Percy Jackson in your read through. You're back. They heard all the other stuff that you said, just oh. not during that one moment. That's not what he intended, but. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to make a... I've got beans stuck between my front teeth, and so I'm making a terrible squeaking noise that I don't want y'all to have to listen to. All right, it lives there now. Um, I have no idea what this is. I have no idea. It's not... It could be citrusy, for all I know. <laughs> um, it's a citrus banana. It's fruitsome. It's not like, uh, it's not like coffee or pup popcorn or papaya none of them so I'm, I'm gonna go with a random fruit what's the what's the what's the most neutral fruit i can think of strawberry strawberry is a strawberry final answer is peach. dang it oh man <laughs> hey memnite thank you very much okay I got it. It's finally out. Okay. And I think one more bean. Does that sound right? Two more, Two more beans. beans. Two more beans? Yeah. You said nine. You're at seven. One from one from Instagram. Three extras. Lisa and Arkrat. I think that's it from Twitter. Eight. Was there another one night, from Twitter? Why did I think there was a third one from Twitter? For all this all these all these explosions? Yeah, I'll throw down a bean for Mem Knight. All right, then three more. All right. All right, let's do it. Rapid fire, shall we? All right, Mem Knight. Mem Knight, this one's you. Uh, and meanwhile, folks, uh, we weren't kidding. Tuna really is going to be like trying to guide me through my summer car. I've already got it downloaded. Um, Tuna is going to try and help me build a car remotely. Uh, do some, you know, we're going to do some real, uh, some real handyman type stuff. Just some skills that we can sort of impart on you during this time of quarantine. What's up? Memnite, you got, you got any that you particular? <laughs> Maybe just go with a color. A color, a flavor he knows, something spicy, something not spicy, any type of guidance. <laughs> this is rapid fire. Um, let's see, what else should I talk about? <laughs> he says, oh, he doesn't know any flavors. Okay, will do. Fair enough. Yeah, Sam doesn't know any flavors at all. Um, okay, uh, I, I think in the meantime, let's do another mini AMA. What do y'all want to know? <laughs> we'll see you can't, you can't reach Tiny out, AMA. Thank you very much. You just, you chucked it, like, into the back of my throat. I think you hit my Sorry. uvula on the way back. Mmm... I don't think it's a spicy one. I'm trying not to look at chat. Um, what is your quest? My quest? Is the question. Oh, what is my quest? Yep. Um, to follow that star. No matter how hopeless. No matter how hopeless. 
no matter how far. To fight for the right without question or pause. To be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. But I know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest. Then my heart will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest. Um, I think I'm going to go with a green apple on this one. Because last time I thought it was green apple and I didn't go with it. So this time I'm going to go with it. Well, Let's hear it. Unfortunately, he chose a red bean. So you're already wrong. It could be very cherry. We don't know that. Sour cherry. Red apple. It'll be red apple. Okay. Red apple. Or rest. All right. Fair enough. It was just a, a nice tart apple flavor. I think that might be one of my favorite ones. I like that a lot. What's your favorite color? My favorite color, um, I was actually literally trying to figure that out today because I'm, I like blue and I like green a lot. Frankly, I, I think I would probably go with green right now. Um, uh, I don't know. I like between the two straight up. It's a, it's a toss up. You have two more. Do you want them both at the same time? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. They're regular beans. They don't belong to any, these beans belong to no man on earth. Uh, but folks, thank you very much for watching today. Uh, I hope you will join me. Oh, something, something weird on the outside of that one on that left-hand bean. Yeah, there was a little bump. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them spicy. <laughs> Did you tell me you didn't hunt down a, a Carolina Reaper? Right no, I didn't. Okay. Carolina. Carabiner right. Bopper. <laughs> thank you very much for hanging out with me today, folks. Let's see. I don't, one of these is definitely spicy, so I'm not going to be able to guess the other one at all. The other one's got like a... Okay, there's like a weird smokiness to it. That I think must be coming from the, the spicy bean. What are my options again? For spicy? Yeah. I'm going to go with um, uh, cayenne this time. Yeah. Can you tell me about that one? Yeah, that one's right. Yes, yes, I got a spicy bean right. Thank you. I think it's just a reaction. The other one, there's no way I'm getting the other one. There's two mixed in there. Mmm. It's hanging out on my, like, on my gums in a really bad way. I don't like this at all. I gotta drop these, folks. That's it. I'm tapping on the other one. It was not like a strong fruit present, so I'm gonna go with... Mmm. Oh, this sucks. Mm-mm. 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 This is no good. Left side. Why did I put them all on the left side of my mouth? <laughs> oh. Oh, that sucks. Um. Uh. Just some. Think of any mild flavor, Sam, and bail. Bail. <laughs> I gotta go with. It's a Rice Krispie treat. <laughs> there it is. That's right. You laugh at me and then tell me if I'm right or wrong so I can get out of here. Tangerine or something. Tangerine or something, folks. That's right. This is the voice that is supposed to be the objective, knowledgeable uh, paragon of bean integrity. No. It's, 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 or something, she says. I, I still maintain that other one wasn't an orange bean. It wasn't an orange bean. 
I'm getting played out. Folks, thank you very much for being with me here tonight. If you want to learn more about Sidecar Stories, the hub is in Discord. I'm going to put that link in chat as I sign off. Folks, I will probably be hanging out in there sporadically tonight once I'm finished breaking down my stream setup. I love y'all, and I hope you have a great night. Bye-bye. Oh, good lord, but only out of my left eye. Bye! <laughs>